0: First Light has always made the world's best base layers. They are warm, breathable, silent, and odor resistant. But the women's fit in the gear weren't meeting our demands, so we went back to the beginning and rebuilt everything. Re-engineering the gear with the most dedicated female hunters in mind, First Light modernized the fit and added more sizes, colors, and camo patterns. I personally have been testing the women's gear over the last couple of years uh, from the mountains in Idaho to the plains in Nebraska, and I feel like the fit especially has landed in a much better spot. It's more true to size. It's not as tight and binding in certain areas like a lot of women's fit. Uh, All of the pieces, to me, got an all-around upgrade. It's awesome to see. So for yourself or as a gift, this Mother's Day, pick up First Light's new women's merino wool and get free shipping on all orders containing women's gear. Available now at F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E dot com
1: this is the meat eater podcast coming at you shirtless severely bug bitten and in my case underwearless
2: you can't predict anything
1: yanni i gotta hit you with a a marriage advice question all right i'm not looking for marriage advice but a, a dude was asking you know, you're like, explain your your one to ten deal that I start that I that I appropriated.
3: Oh, I stole it, I think, from uh, Doctor Wayne Dwyer. Dyer? Dwyer? I don't know who's that. He's like a self help kind of author.
1: You're a self help man.
3: I, my dad is, yeah. and so he's he's passed along a lot of books to me. Okay. Dyer. Why am I? Why is it slipping my mind? Nobody can help me out here. Wayne Dyer.
1: I know Dwayne Shue recently
3: passed away. It's Wayne Dyer. Yeah, that's Dwight Shue.
1: Dwight. Yeah. No relation. No.
3: <laughs> anyways, uh it, it for I guess you could um yeah, Wayne Dyer. I was right. It's like a life hack kind of a
1: thing, almost. Can you can you start over and not say that word?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but that's popular these days, and people know what I'm saying. That's what I was hoping you could do it without it. But go, um, ahead. I go can, ahead. I can do it without yeah, it's, it. It's too but anyways, late. It's too uh, late. I've been doing it for, I don't know, 10 years, but uh, it's a way to um, get through uh, small, petty arguments that maybe at the time don't seem small or petty with your spouse or loved one uh, to get through them efficiently and move on, which you then realize that it was probably a a petty argument and uh, it was better just to have it behind you. But the way you do it is if you find yourself in the situation where you're arguing about uh let's the example would be how to load the dishwasher. And you're arguing about it and someone realizes, man, this would be a great time to execute the one to ten um what do you what'd you call it? Like uh device to
1: yeah. get through this argument. The one to ten yeah. uh relationship. And so basically
3: advice. you just say, All right how important it is to you. And at that moment, both people throw out a number, one to 10, one being, I don't give a shit at all, about how you load the dishwasher. Yeah, to be like, now that I
1: think about it, I really don't care. Yeah,
3: 10 being like, (laughs) this is so important to me that if we don't load the dishwasher right, I'm going to be up tonight at three o'clock in the morning thinking about it. And so everybody throws a number out and whoever has the higher number, you just go, okay, it's obviously more important to you than it is to me. Let's do it your way and you move on.
1: I found that it works because I've, once I asked myself the question, realized I was arguing about twos and threes. And I also had it work to my advantage where I was adamant about something and my wife threw a two or three or whatever. And I was like, well, you know what? For me, it's like a nine. And I won. And she backed out and she never brought it up again.
3: But You have to be fair. You can't always be throwing out eights and nines. Well, this but, dude
1: that wrote in, yeah, he shot the biggest mule deer of his life. Uh-huh. With his little boy. Okay. With <laughs> yep. his little boy. And he's like, yeah, I'm putting it right in the living room with my other ones.
3: Uh-huh. And she's like, uh-uh. Okay. He already had some up, and he was going to add it, another. There's a whole
1: long story about okay. what's there, not there, and all that. But just the, the gist of it is, he wants it there. Yep. She's like, uh-uh. Um, so they do the trick that, they, that you taught them, and she throws an 11.
4: <laughs> oh!
1: but this then he's 11. like well hey and so and so if it go and so he threw an 11 back
4: okay Ooh. so at that
1: point you're
2: just in a regular fight
5: yeah <laughs> i just know yeah <laughs> yeah that's gloves off it's obviously you just, you just go back important. to like
2: sleeping on the couch and you could combine this with your uh, hand holding trick though
1: yeah I, we haven't talked about that on the podcast i feel like
2: i'm just getting a lot of marriage advice out of out of this whole deal this is miles nolte talking not this, that. No, this is Miles Nolte talking. You related to Nick Nolte? <laughs> not that I'm aware of, but I have been called Nick my entire life. Because like of Nick Freudian Nolte. slips, yeah. yeah Dude, I mean. I'm telling you what,
1: man. Prince of Tides, the book. He's not in the book. He's in no. the movie, of course.
2: There's some good hunting and fishing stuff in Prince of Tides, man. Yeah. I mean, the, the Nick Nolte thing was fine in the 80s, but then when you had the whole DUI thing that was posted all over you know, social media and the internet, that, that didn't go so well. He likes to pull a cork. I didn't know that. Yeah, he got arrested, and his uh, it was it was a big story. It was it was a while ago. But hmm. Nick Nolte used to be cool. He's not anymore.
1: My kids were watching a movie the other night on movie night, uh, and he was voicing a dog, voicing a like old wise dog. Uh, where were we? Oh, there's an irregular big fight. But the the trick, this is my dad's trick. When when one is fighting with their spouse. He likes to do it, and he would do this. Yeah, he likes to do it where you hold hands. You have to hold hands and fight, which changes the
3: fight. Oh, it does. It does. Guess. I'm going to try you that. You reach
1: across the table and hold hands, and then be like, I'm hanging up that son of a bitch and deer. <laughs> 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 right? Or however you're going to go about it. Oh, another thing, we were talking the other day, Cal and Yanni, you were in on this, uh, about whether it's okay or not okay to name your shooting irons. Yeah. Or your bow, or whatever. Yeah, and I was saying I don't, but I had my halibut rod was called the Widowmaker, and <laughs> but I didn't name it that, but it just came with the name which I use. The man that named it dubbed it the Widowmaker, and this guy looked it up, and he's saying you know there's various things. There's, there, some people refer to a, a particular type of very intense bong hit as a Widowmaker. <laughs> 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 he found there's a disturbing sexual practice called the widowmaker, <laughs> which I'm not privy to. But he says what he thinks you're getting at. I was saying it, it means that you're going to catch. I thought it meant you're going to catch male halibut, thereby widowing.
3: Yeah, and I can see
1: I can see mate. the other interpretation.
5: But His is larger you're halibut are like females.
1: I know yeah. that's the thing. So you're you're. uh he gets into this deal. Uh, you got to introduce yourself, Sam Lundgren. We're gonna get to you real big, but uh, <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh god!
1: He said what it means is you're gonna like the rod so much that you're it will effectively widow your spouse because you'll be fishing so often. <laughs> um, got an email from a guy. This is interesting. He was zapped on the ankle as, as a kid. He was in Custer State Park in South Dakota. Got zapped on the ankle by a prairie rattlesnake. Um, within seconds, he was temporarily paralyzed, and the weirdest thing he says he was left with nothing but his sense of hearing. Whoa, hmm. whoa! Yeah, almost lost his life. And there's this whole other story about the, 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 the dude that helped him out, and in the way that he felt that the state park sort of didn't 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 seem to want the news to get out. I don't know, but uh, but I thought it was an interesting story. Um, got some. We get hate mail. I never. I don't talk a whole lot about hate mail. We got an interesting hate mail from a guy who is pissed uh, about. He, he's pissed by a handful of things. He's pissed that we wear forty dollars underwear, which I don't understand because I don't know how much. My, I I know. Like I didn't know how much my underwear cost. My underwear costs nine dollars.
3: Oh, I'm about to look mine up. I have what's called a Varica seal,
1: which is a problem in your scrot, and it feels a lot better if I wear. I don't wear tidy whities I wear black tidy whities Three for $27. <laughs> I checked. <laughs> if but I he, use Prime, he's
6: referring to the first light boxers. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't wear them. Exactly, because my
1: varicoseal problem, so he's pinning on me. If I did, I would just tell him yeah. because I'm going to get to more of the things that he's mad about, but that's one of the things he's mad about. Expensive uh, underwear.
6: Yeah, Uh I think you're – unfortunately, you're just looking at those as underwear. They function just fine as shorts on the occasion. Um, I've hiked in them alone many times. And, uh, you know, for plane travel all the way up through riding a horse and mountain biking and all that stuff, um, you know, you don't stink so bad. Yeah, and you can wear the same things for six, seven days. And and I do regularly.
1: So – but that's his gripe. Yeah. I but here's it. the weird thing about this dude. He he says he's dr- he's drinking beer at SeaTac and acknowledges that he's probably had too many. How much is the airport beer? <laughs>
6: $10 at least.
2: Minimum. So I don't get least. it. Like, Especially at that's SeaTac. What,
1: that's where this guy's letter becomes really funny because h- another main gripe of his is that he doesn't feel that non-residents should be able to apply for... He's mad that we talk about and have friends who... And that we apply for non-resident big game tags. Especially for like limited draw stuff. He thinks that this is bad because a lot of people can't afford that stuff. And you, apparently he feels that only a taxpayer... Like you should have to pay taxes in a state to hunt in the state if it's for limited draw stuff. But again... He's talking about like the working man. But again, you're buying too many airport beers. I always feel that when people, it's like if you honestly can't afford, if you're alive in America today and have a vehicle in the house, I could come in and analyze your budget and find the money for you to do an out-of-state tag.
6: I have often said, I'm like, myself personally, there's a lot of things that I write off as unaffordable. But if I looked at my yearly beer budget, the money is more than likely right there. You
1: know, Giannis quit drinking for a year. I was conversing with his wife about this.
6: Well,
3: I haven't yet. Uh, how do you... I was actually... This was... You're complexing. in the midst. Yeah, I'm in the midst. He's but the, I haven't done it yet. That's right. Uh, Next year, in 2020, you can say that. But it's your
1: intention right now to take a <laughs> year off of booze. It is. As I look to get back into it, he's looking to get out of it. And his wife was observing to me um, just the observation of of... Not having to buy all that beer, and she said, "This kid can, or whatever, this guy like." Think about how many like a, states it, it actually like impacts the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is
3: habits. It yeah, well, forty dollar boxers and IPAs are not cheap. So, and then the,
1: uh, he was also mad. Yeah, he talks about how I have ADHD, and I'm a narcissist. Um, guy wrote in something funny. He was saying that we were talking about button bucks. Like, do button bucks ever shed their buttons? And, and a lot of people wrote in, and in fact, like sent pictures and stuff. This guy tells this funny story where he, he, him and his old man killed a button buck once and it shed its buttons in their vehicle. Whoa. Huh. As they're handling it. So he saves them. He hears us talk on the podcast about whether button bucks ever shed the hardened piece. Goes to get his to take a photo of him. Can't find him. Asks his wife, have you seen my two little things? She says, I didn't know what the hell those were, and I threw them out. (laughs) So he's bummed about that. Um, Emails coming in lately about Giannis not getting the respect he deserves and not being properly appreciated. And someone wrote in, the best I can tell, this is a poem About Giannis. Oh, have you seen this? No. Now, does it say who he's
6: not getting respect from? No. I I feel like I assume
1: it's like, I don't know. Yeah. He feels that Giannis doesn't get the appreciation he deserves. In fact, the guy that wrote the big hate mail about me having ADHD and suffering from narcissism, Mm -hmm. he also said something like, You got to have all those people around you to save you from bears. (laughs)
0: so so he's not entirely wrong again i think he's like referring
1: to he's referring to honest that's great uh now i hold the cremation of sam mcgee and the shooting of dan mcgrew as sort of like the pinnacle of american poetry me too like there's no better poem ever been written so with that as the here's uh, i'll read a little bit oh it's long more imperturbable than a stoic philosopher, more patient than job, as brave as a lion, as sharp eyed as a mountain eagle. Women adore him, critters fear him. In action, howl like an angel. Huh? You liking this?
3: <laughs> in action, howl.
1: How? How? No, how. Oh. In appreciation, oh, no, in apprehension, howl like a god. It goes on. Another guy wrote in talking about how bad.
5: I feel lucky just to be sitting next to you. I know.
1: But then another guy writes in about how bad Giannis is at math.
2: Well, the poem didn't say anything about math skills. I mean, let's be fair. In math, how bad. Remember we are talking about in Ohio if you shoot a buck
1: and it's like how Ohio rates the penalties for poaching and that if you shoot a trophy class animal, they want to make it a lot worse for you than if you shot a forky and they have this formula. Do you still have the
3: formula on you? Might be able to find it quickly.
1: You made a you you used the, you made a mistake in, in a term, in a term you used in a ma, in a in a in a, in a teacher, a calculus teacher wrote in about it. Uh-oh. You said Okay, so you take the gross score. Here's the formula. Oh, you already have it. Yeah, I re- I just realized I have it in front of me. You take the gross Boone and Crockett score of an animal. And just real quick remind people how you determine the like how, what are the measurements to when you when we talk about this
3: uh there's a whole bunch of measurements, but it's basically the lengths of both main beams depending on how many places you can get it there's uh mass measurements that go around the main beams and then the length of the tines as well as the inside spread it wouldn't be mass yeah yeah circumference measurements yes,
1: and then the length of all the tines, yeah add this all up. And there's a couple different systems for doing this, right? Is there total overlap between Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young? Or is there a difference in the scoring systems?
3: I'm pretty sure it's total. I think it's the same. Yeah, I think it is, I think too. It's yeah, the same. as far as, yeah. like, methodology of... Yeah. But measuring. then the SCI
1: is a different it form. Is. My brother's a proponent of... He wants to establish a system, which might be in use somewhere. He thinks that there's only one measurement. And it should only be water displacement.
5: I've this heard that before, amazing. too. I've got a friend in Idaho who's a really serious uh, shed hunter, and he's found the sheds off the same crazy buck uh, for like the last five years straight, both sides. It's awesome. He's just got a stack of them, but it wouldn't score anything on either SCI or Boone and Crockett because it's just, they look like moose antlers that stick forward. Mm -hmm. It's just so massive and palmated, but it's not long and it's not wide. But he was telling me about the water displacement and how it would do very well.
1: Yeah, should be like,
5: that's his view. His perspective
1: is if it's big, it's just big. Dip it in the water. How much water does it displace? And there you see who's the biggest. That way if he drew a giant club, you could potentially. Anyhow. Uh, so y- y- you score up the deer, and then you take 100 off the score. So let's say he's a real whopper.
3: And I think they only start at 125. Okay. That's, that's
1: so number. in that case, you ax 100. Yep. So you need 25. And you square 25. So yep. 25 times 25. Then you times that by a buck sixty-five, and you create the – and that's what the fine is. So we are talking about this guy killed this big whopper uh, whitetail. And the fine was $26,000. And you had 1000 bucks worth of add-ons. Uh, you incorrectly, I didn't even catch this, you described it as exponential, that it grows exponentially, apparently.
3: Oh, I, th- so I used the term exponential yeah.
1: wrong. When something's being squared, it's not exponential. That function is quadratic. Quadratic. So he had his uh, calculus kids make a calculator for us so we could like type in any number and it do it. And he said he also made a calculator that <laughs> if you use Giannis's method, if you use Giannis's method and got away from a quadratic system and went to an exponential system, uh, a 125 inch buck would. Okay. He. The... He made an exponential system and, and rated it so that the 125-inch buck scores the same on the quadratic and the exponential. And then he ran, what would happen if you killed a real whopper, a 250-inch whitetail? If it was exponential, Yanni, I am mm-hmm. listening. You would have a 1.3 million-dollar fine.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> With the quadratic system, your 250-inch whitetail would get you a thirty-seven thousand-dollar fine how much familiarity uh you guys have with north dakota
6: got some kin from north dakota that's about it you don't hunt it nope i've hunted damn close i've hunted mm-hmm. looking over into it i caught northern pike on uh bluegill jigs over there one time that was pretty exciting just throwing out nothing but a jig head and popping it back <laughs> <laughs> and was catching like hammer handle north yeah
1: uh there's a bill there right now in the North Dakota Senate, State Senate, to make it that. Well, I'm, I'm approaching this the wrong way. Right now in North Dakota, you, a landowner, needs to actually post his land no trespassing. Like if you're in North Dakota and you see private land that isn't posted, you can go on it. And all, I guess oftentimes there'll be like large properties. And someone might post along the roads or whatever, but you can oftentimes find uh, landowners who don't bother to post it, and it's just understood that you can hunt it. Or even people that try to post it don't do the the thorough enough job, I guess. And people find you know find a place where it didn't what wasn't posted according to law, and then therefore you're allowed to access it. And there's a bill in the North Dakota Senate to change the law so that it becomes an automatically posted state meaning the landowner has no obligation to like tell you you can't go on it it's just understood if it's private you can't go on it without permission i can see both sides of that one yeah yeah um another interesting thing from a guy he was hunting <clears throat> in Oregon and got a bad hit on a bull he said he took a longish longish shot at what point does a shot become
5: longish? <laughs> I suppose if you start questioning. No, bow and arrow, archery Hunt. Oh, that would be very long. If yeah.
6: if you start questioning. Yeah. I, yeah.
5: <laughs> I don't
1: know if he felt those longish in hindsight or if he felt those longish... When he was going to pull layer back. Either way, he takes longish shot. Uses the wrong pin. Hits high. Square in the shoulder. Gets... A couple of inches of penetration. Uh, on a whim, he goes on an Oregon an Oregon hunter Facebook page and describes his uh, insert broadhead combo. And says, "Hey, if anyone hunting this year were to encounter this, let me know." Ten days later, guy sends him a photo telling him he was six inches high.
0: <laughs> uh, of his
1: broad head. And this bull, this guy shot this bull 12 miles due north of where he hit it. Wow. Whoa. In a different unit. Wow. It crossed, the, is it Grand Ronde or no yeah, Ronde? Grand Ronde. Ronde. It is Ronde. Ronde. Yep. Yeah. Dude, Ronde? Ronde. Mm-hmm. Crossed the Grand Ronde River 12 miles away 10 days later. i kidding. Scared it pretty bad. Man, they or move. he's just out doing elk-type yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. They move around mm-hmm. a lot. Or he's forever. like, I am
6: out
5: of here, man. <laughs>
6: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and the upper end of that's just that giant plateau. Yeah. yeah. It'd be kind of easy walking. But 12 miles, that's, yeah, that's pretty well. Yeah, but wild. in
5: between the plateaus is pretty rugged.
6: Yeah, up on top, top. Right. Though. Yeah. Like, the, big, the big gorge there is amazing. Amazing. Yeah, like down uh, Joseph Canyon and all that stuff is... Un- unbelievable you good for a couple more yeah lots of people wrote in we were talking about
1: can you really slip on banana peels <laughs> lots of people wrote in about slipping on banana peels first hand accounts of people slipping on banana peels one guy feels it's such a problem that banana peels should be banned <laughs> That's a, he says he's like if i'll say this like if
6: lawn darts il- are illegal You should not be allowed to have (laughs) banana peels. That's real interesting because if you get an upgrade in uh, your flying service of choice, typically the snack basket includes includes bananas. Yes. So, I mean.
1: But lower class people are not permitted to have bananas. Yeah. They might be irresponsible
3: (laughs) with the peels. Bananas are the most eaten fruit in the world.
4: Is that right? Real liability. We were, do, we were
3: doing kid trivia last night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Back in 2017, a dude in Massachusetts, an angler, Massachusetts catches a 400-pound bluefin tuna 15 days after the season ends. It's like a $10,000 fish. Decides to keep the fish, but it's hard to like hide a 400-pound tuna. Very so hard. word spreads around the boat dock that this fella is running around with a tuna at some point he gets scared and he can't get it in his truck but he ties (laughs) it to his truck and drags it out into the woods okay he gets a federal fine of fifteen thousand dollars for killing this tuna then just now the uh in the in uh you know putting salt in the wounds his local municipality doubles around and hits him for another thousand in fines for littering and disposing of waste from a vehicle. They're like, as though you didn't learn your lesson. We will now fine you an additional $1,000 for charges related to you dragging a bluefin tuna out into the woods.
6: That is very interesting.
2: I think that's totally fine for the record i think i think oh i'm not criticizing i think that fine should be higher considering the value of those fish and that fishery oh yeah and the waste that that should be 26 yeah
1: 26k for a whitetail and here you have like a here you have like a fairly threatened species yeah like a fairly depleted species
3: yeah and it wasn't the we we i've Forward around that article about that bluefin, the first bluefin of the season that went over sold. a
5: million bucks. Yeah. And over
3: a million bucks. No.
5: Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, Japan. absolutely. Japanese fish markets. Yeah. Because wow. it had the right fat content yeah. and everything? Yep. Yeah.
3: No. And it, and it was the first.
5: Absolutely. Yes. No, this I'll, is I'll this is A
1: Dude got a million for a bluefin. Well over a million if I remember correctly.
6: Yeah. And this guy like owns a like a chain of sushi restaurants over there and is known to be a big uh, guy with a fat wallet,
2: I believe is the story. But I'm pretty I, sure that wasn't the first one no, to go for over a million.
3: No. No shit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I knew they were like extremely valuable. But like, I want to know. Bluefin tuna goes for $3 million at first 2019 sale at Tokyo Market.
1: How many pounds was the fish? 612. 612 pounds. Because I know that they'll go. Like I was talking to a guy that sold some bluefins over, over the years. And you take it down right away. And they pull a plug out of that thing. And I don't know what they do. But yeah. they're very interested in fat and i'm sure a host of other color fat and all that and you either got gold or you don't have gold
5: yeah and he says it's hard to tell like he couldn't tell yeah but they damn sure know i was just watching that uh documentary jiro dreams of sushi that's a good ass that, that is, another, is a good it one. It's very good but oh man it was amazing to see them go to the fish market and the guy's like you know tuna side, aside he's like uh, i wish there was some actual tuna here and there's like a a warehouse full of these big giant beautiful looking tuna and there's just it was all garbage to him.
6: Yeah. And it's amazing. And like, they cut them down him. to where they can, like, stack them like cordwood, right? Yeah. Um, the
1: cores. Me and Yanni used that, learned that. Yeah. Term. The cores. Yeah. This guy was, uh this bluefin tuna that they found out in the woods was missing, had its head cut where they leave the collar on, but take mm-hmm. the, yeah, the core.
6: I, I mean, wouldn't you just, I'm dying to know what was going through the, the psychological burden yeah. on this man from where he's like, nope, screw it. I'm hauling it to the woods. I'm keeping it on the boat i'm not turning it back or was it like bleeding from the gills and he was just like man why would i throw this thing back to the sharks
1: well that's the difference between dumping it out that's like you calling fish and game yeah or you just cut the line once you realize what you got
6: yeah but i I just wonder if there's something that like made him be like okay screw it kick the doors open haul this thing on i'm keeping it because then and it's not his boat, apparently, because I'm, I'm sure they would have dinged his they could have taken his damn boat, right? I don't know
1: what I don't know if they did that. Those um, dudes that
2: poached those bear cubs, man, they got their boat taken away. Yeah. And I
1: think the truck they used to pull the
2: boat. Yes. Is that um, state by state though? Whether or not they can confiscate gear for poaching. I don't know. I don't I don't either. I don't know.
6: But uh, yeah, that guy had to have just been a mess. Then like all that compounds by the time you get back to the dock, then you're like, oh man.
1: We i just let that damn fish go.
6: Yeah. And then to waste it? Yeah. Oh. Oh. That's sacrilegious, man. That's the weird, that's kind
1: of the weird part is, um, I, you know, you almost had to hang out with the guy. Yeah. Like, because yeah. at
5: some point, he even abandoned the idea that he's just going to stake it out and put it in his bunch of freezers. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, make that, jack that fine up even further. I mean, if you're, if you're wrestling, he's like, he's clearly wrestling with this idea. And yet, chooses to do a series of worse and worse actions, it's like you had a lot of opportunities
2: to right this wrong. And you did all of it. I get it, but we used to break all kinds of rules when we were little. Yep. I don't know if he's little. I was going to say, I doubt this is a kid we're talking about. I don't think this is like a 16-year-old. Yesterday fishing when the sheriff pulled up. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. All right, we're fishing and the county sheriff pulls up. And I'm able to now, now being where I'm at now in life, I'm able to walk up to the window and lean on the window and be like, howdy, boys. (laughs) In the old days, if we weren't (laughs) doing something wrong at the moment, we were nervous about what we had just been doing wrong last week. Absolutely. Like pitchforking salmon
5: out from behind some beaver dam. or Oh, a little part of me was still like, what am i like where's my light where's what am i do i have barbs on my hooks oh that doesn't matter here um am I old enough to
3: be drinking
1: yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like when you're like you see a cop you turn the radio down yeah i'm like old enough now where i'm just like what's up guys <laughs> well like, they I came up and yeah, they're, I, like, haven't what, even, I haven't even done it, yeah. anything,
4: i haven't done anything wrong even lately the thing that threw me off was they're like we're going to get out and talk to you boys. That oh, threw yeah. me off, too. I'm like, you yeah. know what? Get out and talk to me <laughs> yeah.
1: because I haven't done anything bad in a long time. Yeah. I'm pretty, I, I I haven't mean. found any
6: salmon in a damp drainage ditch saying shot up with a shotgun. Hypothetically.
2: <laughs> I Hypothetically. grabbed my
6: license yesterday morning in preparation for going out on the ice. And actually opened it up, double checked the expiration date. Uh, yeah,
5: right.
4: Yeah, yeah, got it. Uh huh. Yeah, I just say we're yeah. we're coming
5: up on the expiration here because when the first year I lived in Montana, I uh, I had a, a game warden. I was fishing downtown Missoula at the the Hollywood Hole right mm-hmm. in front of the Double Tree. I saw a game warden watching me with binoculars. That's
1: called the Hollywood Hole. Yeah, yeah. just
5: because everybody's looking at you. Uh, oh, I saw a point. game warden watching me with bin from with binoculars, like peeking around the building. And I was like, what the, what's he, what's he doing? And I was like, oh, you know, I left my, my fishing bag in the truck. That's where my license is. I reeled up when I saw him do that, walked right up to him and said, Hey, saw you looking at me, figured you want to check my license. Uh, it's, it's in my bag in the car. I needed to grab that bag. Cause I needed to change flies anyway. He's like, oh, great. No problem. I'll walk, walk with you walks over there. <laughs> with me i grab my bag give him the license we're just shooting the shit being real friendly and everything and he hands me the license back and as i reach for it he pulls it back and goes oh wait this is this expired last week and writes me a 130 ticket is that right yep wow. my wow. first year first year living in montana always and i was like i was like i was like there's a there's a there's a fly shop two blocks from here, I will literally jog there <laughs> and renew my license. He's like, no, nope, yep. sorry, oh, violator, no flexibility <laughs> here.
6: Yeah. Cause he was giving you some flexibility for not having your license on you. Yeah. He'd already
5: like, yeah, yeah but, but, uh, but I approached him too. Right. So I felt, I felt like, I don't know. You I was, I was also, it. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was in the right there and I was yeah, I wrong. I can see it both ways, man. Yeah. But I was, I was just, I was just Maybe really annoyed by it. I wouldn't plead it in court.
2: Did you win? They reduce it to the minimum fine, which was $60. Oh,
6: right. well, yeah. It was worth your time. Yeah.
2: That's so. Yeah. But to circle back to the guy with the tuna, I just have to say, I hope he at least took the belly meat out of that thing. Because yeah. Because that, that bluefin belly meat is like the most. It's just delicious like leaving a buffalo. The you could
1: find out because there's a picture of them. Li- they had to call in a record. They called in a record lifted up by the tail. It's oh. a picture of it sitting on a... Uh, a tow, they had to call it Bob's Towing to come down and get that tuna carcass. <laughs> what what a shame! It, man. They brought what it shame. to a garden. Oh, they brought
3: it to a local farm to fertilize it. Old school. Did it say he? Did it say if he knew that the quota was filled when he when he put it in the boat?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't remember reading that. I think but you maybe want to bring up something, man. Like, what was I going to bring up? we were talking about. Oh, uh, I don't feel nervous about by law enforcement people anymore, which is good.
6: What's in the good call? <laughs> Shotgunning
3: salmon.
1: Bad them. Well, when they make a bunch of wrong turns, here's the thing: is if they make so many wrong turns that they're in some farmer's drainage ditch, <laughs> we would take liberties with them because they're like, "Well, you're not gonna like run into another salmon and spawn on the gravel at this point. Like you're up Bob Weir's drainage <laughs> ditch, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like you've you know, I don't know if the other salmon want you in this, in the throwing in with them.
6: see your comment was, <laughs> did the man know that the quota was filled? I feel like you lose any opportunity for argument when you're stashing shit in the woods. No doubt.
3: By the time. Oh, no. I'm just point. wondering what, you know, again, his boss oh, yeah, yeah, me
6: too. Yeah. I, I'm dying to know. Yeah.
3: Federal. Did I say federal? Federal. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
6: I mean, for all we know, we could be really churching this up and the guy's like listen boys i had a lot of budweiser's those those couple of days <laughs> man, i wish i could think of what i
1: was going to talk about because uh it was like tied to this deal tied to this deal and i was going to talk about it see that adhd deal that like narcissistic adhd deal <laughs> planted man. the seed with now you. if i forgot something that was going to talk about how great i was that would back that dude up, right? <laughs> but it wasn't. I wasn't gonna be like, "Oh, I know what I was gonna say." Is i uh, you know, very strapping. Um, <laughs> uh, one last thing I want to bring up. And then we're gonna talk about what we're here to talk about. I've got to talk about three things. Um, this guy was talking about how he used to hunt squirrels with his grandpa. And his grandpa, they'd hunt squirrels with dogs. And when they and his and his grandpa kept a kit with him which was a fire making kit and a coffee can, a tin coffee can. So when the squirrel would hole up in a hollow tree, grandpa would get a fire burn in his coffee can and then set the coffee can in there to, to thereby smoke the squirrel out. And if I remember right, I like, I feel like when we were little kids, we would, you know, those smoke bombs you get at 4th of July. I feel like we'd do something similar with that, like sticks in my head. We say one time he's out there with grandpa and grandpa forgets his can. Gets a fire ripping, no can, and
3: uh, starts himself a forest fire. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Jeez. That's Did he the get second the second forest fire I've heard of today. <laughs> I hunted the web today with uh, old Benchmade and uh, chose the wrong uh, answer when I was going to just kick out my coals or should I use the rest of my water to douse my fire. It's like a choice I had to make in, in Benchmade's Hunt the Web, realistic yeah. Uh, game. Yeah. And uh, I decided just to shuffle the coals out because I was hunting in the Pacific Northwest. I say like nothing can oh, catch on fire here. And uh, sure enough, I walk away, and next thing I know, game over, forest fire, giant plume of smoke.
6: So you, I got a good one. I should one.
1: clarify, he didn't. Okay, he didn't start a forest fire. He burnt the whole damn
6: tree down, but then the fire didn't spread.
4: Oh, not bad. So
6: okay, on the lines of Pacific Northwest and fires and bad decision making. Go on, our good buddy Jeff Lander old uh, primitive outfitting his buddies that are floating floating a moose river um for years and years and years one of them dies they bury his ashes underneath this prominent tree on the bank of the river um one of these years they invite jeff to come down with them um and they they this tree is prominent because they've called in a bunch of moose in this same spot and it's nice and it you know, breaks all that BC drizzle. And uh, they're kind of having a peaceful moment there and they're, they're calling moose and Jeff has everybody's sandwiches and tinfoil. Okay. And he starts a little fire there at the base of the tree. To heat the sandwiches up. To heat the sandwiches Making up. Making some paninis. They eat their lunch, move on down the river. Somebody makes the comment of like, oh, you sure that fire's out? The next day, Jeff has burned down the sacred tree, so to speak. <laughs>
1: <laughs> With the ashes under it.
6: With the ashes under it. Because he decided to shuffle the coals instead of because he's he's in a really wet place and it just nothing matters. It mm-hmm. doesn't, yeah.
3: doesn't burn. I'll buy that. Yeah. That's pretty sad. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it kind of gives that sacred spot an even better story. No. It does.
1: It All does. right. One more. One more quickie. No. Now, one more quickie.
4: No. Um Seth, have you said anything yet? Just about the uh the uh cops getting out of their vehicle. Oh yeah. Uh
1: fishing. can you tell people about how about your ill fated one uh,
4: hunt of a lifetime? Oh. Um Drew a bison tag in Montana this year for Gardner. And talk about that. How yeah, was, how'd you feel about three that? Three areas and There's three areas. Uh West Yellowstone, there's Gardner, and then there's the Absorca backcountry unit. It's so like West Entrance, North Entrance. Yep. And then the backcountry unit. Yep. And um Were you excited to draw that tag? Super excited. Were, I was excited. Nope. Everyone was excited. Gave them all yep. kinds
1: of two hundred grain <laughs> federal bullets.
4: Yeah. Was gonna Um it was the first year I put in for it and drew it. Oh, um, had big plans we Went, talk about what needs to happen we, so the bison spend most of their life in Yellowstone park and in the winter time when the weather gets real nasty they migrate out of the park to find better grass um, you know there's, they migrate out because there's some some animals stay in the park This is from what I gather from talking with game wardens and stuff. They stay in the park. Some animals stay in the park. um, But there's too much pressure for, you know, the park to handle that many bison over the winter. So they move out. And they're just like roamers. Yeah. They're predisposed to roaming. Yep. And um, so they usually push out of the park, you know. The season closes February 15th. By that time, they're usually – you know, having all sorts of trouble with them in Gardner and um, getting into people's backyards and destroying stuff. Well, this year, the weather was pretty mild. Not much snow down there. And they didn't decide to leave the park. Yet. Yeah, we were up in that neck of the woods yesterday and it was like no snow. Yeah. Or inches. Yeah. So my bison tag that... I don't know if I say it's once in a lifetime tag because you can definitely draw it again. Yeah, but that
1: means different things. There's like once in a lifetime, like the expression.
4: Yeah. And then there are once
1: in a lifetime it's an, tags. It's a tag.
4: So once in a lifetime Montana for this tag would be like an expression. Yeah. Right. Meaning like, it's, not, it's not like an Idaho uh, moose tag, right? That's once in a Literally, once, literally once, once, once in a lifetime. If you are successful. Yes. Oh, really? Yep. Yes. That's so why you told to, me that before. That's right. Yeah.
6: Draw the tag. Got it. Tags your opportunity. If you fill the
1: tag, that is your once in a. While What's counter. the wait period? P- Apologies to the guy who thinks you should only be able to hunt in the state where you live. Like, <laughs>
0: you can't, in his
1: view, you can't let like go to your uncle's and then go out do a little hunt with your uncle. That's like no way. Um, uh, how many years if you don't? I want to say it's seven. Okay, so long wait. So but, they never. Yeah, when I talk to a game warden, no state. Now he used the term state hunters. Because there are tribal hunters, like a lot of the tribes exercise treaty Mm -hmm. rights or exercise the right, and they'll come and shoot some. I went down there one time uh, and watched the Nez Perce shoot five of them, I think.
3: Uh, Our buddy Ed Garcia, I think it was just last fall, last winter, he was down there. He's got a cabin somewhere down there. I was driving through and saw a, a bunch of hunters getting after it. And uh, there was so many and they were having like problems, like getting all the meat out and everything. And there was gut piles everywhere. And he went down there and he harvested ribs and uh, hearts and livers, all kinds of stuff. So much that he's like, oh, you want a heart? Buffalo heart on the way, way home? And he stopped by and dropped me one I've off. heard of
4: people doing that Scouting down there. in the gut piles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's none of that this year. <laughs> yeah,
0: not
1: one, not one tag holder, not one state tag. Holder. I guess a handful of tribal hunters got some early. Yep, not one state tag holder. Yeah, it
4: was just not the year. But for But he it. said
1: numbers were low in the park.
4: Yeah, because they'll fluctuate. You know, they yeah. like three thousand to seven thousand. So I heard that too. Numbers were low in the park, which means the pressure for grazing isn't there. So that so do you got to wait seven years now to try again. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. I used
1: to put in for it, then I quit putting in for it.
4: I Why is just that? Recently just because it's like a shit just because it
1: just gets a little crazy. But I think I'm going to start again. I'm not going to let that scare me off.
4: No, I'm going to put in for it again. But yeah, just got to do a snow dance. Man. just wasn't the year for it. Now, if a
6: non-resident were to. Snag that tag out from underneath you.
1: Don't tell that guy, don't tell the guy who's all drunk at the C Tag Bar about (laughs) it.
6: On the Wyoming side. He's like, I
1: blew all my money on $9 beers, bro. I can't (laughs) do
6: that hunt. Wyoming side, that opportunity to pursue that Buffalo for a bull, I think, is like over three grand now. Hmm. What? What? Wow. Yeah. They jacked their prices up last year.
1: Oh, the tag. If you draw the tag, it's three grand. Yeah. As a non resident.
6: Now your resident price. Uh, There's typically a pretty vast discrepancy between your resident and non-resident prices. Would anybody like to venture a guess as to why? Because they don't pay taxes in
1: the state? Because states raise a hell of a lot of money uh, and they fund a large portion of their fish and game operations through the sale of non-resident, grossly inflated priced tags, maybe?
6: and. All those uh, resident folks, of which all of us are a beneficiary of, our tag prices seldom get raised.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's a subsidy. You, yeah,
6: you hunt
1: you hunt deer for thirty bucks, and another guy hunts deer for six hundred bucks, and therein you can fund a lot of wildlife work. Yes. Yep.
6: Yeah, I, I do feel for this guy, though, in the fact that I have definitely been the guy doing a lot of bitching about all the non-resident. Yeah. Folks, the out-of-state license plates and stuff.
4: And,
1: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I
6: feel it. Yeah. I feel it. I would,
1: I would, you know what? Sure. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches. Give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors, dippers, love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili.
4: The reason I like black buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if
1: you're 21 or older consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the black buffalo herd head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more you can order nicotine pouches online they ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country black buffalo tobacco alternative bold flavor full pouches warning this product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical black buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Man, I just got a new truck. Before I even drove my new truck anywhere, I wasn't going to drive it anywhere until I put a deck system in it. That's, how, that's what a believer I am in decked. I always thought they were a great deal, but now they're even better because they have redesigned their drawer system in storage cases from the ground up. It's like, I didn't know there was a problem with them. I don't know, they seem great to me. It's just an improvement on perfection. The new system, made in the USA, gives you 10 to 30% bigger drawers to fit more gear. It's lockable and secure, right? Weatherproof storage for all your gear. You build it right into your truck bed. You still have a truck bed you can put stuff on. The top deck of the new system has eight D-ring tie-downs integrated into the steel. So you have really burly anchor points to hook stuff down on your bed. So you got to slam on the brakes or take off real fast. Nothing shifts. And like I said, they're, they're D-rings that lay real flat. Like you can still slide stuff right across the deck. It doesn't catch on the D-rings. The D-rings are built in. The drawer system fits any truck or van on the road in the USA from the last 20-plus years. Deck is a game-changer. There's no more, like, leaving stuff at home that you wish you had with you. The stuff I want in my truck is in my truck, out of the way, and secure. Go to deckcom slash eater to receive free shipping. Hey, man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch.
0: $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
5: Montana FWP raised something on the order of $21 million last year on non-resident license fees. Yeah. You know Which what they is do with- like the second highest in the country, I believe.
1: You know what happens in the trapping world? There's like a reciprocity thing in the trapping world where, for instance... Um, if a lot of states, because because fur bears are more like a commo- are managed more like a commodity, a lot of states will prohibit non-resident fur trappers from trapping in their state. And there's a reciprocity system where um, if you live in a no-go state, if you live in a if you if you're like a trapper from a state where your state doesn't allow non-residents to trap beaver. Other states will reciprocate and not allow you. Huh. So, for instance, in Montana, you cannot trap fur bears. No, a non-resident cannot trap fur bears in Montana. So, a Montana person is not allowed to go over into Wyoming, Idaho, wherever, and trap. Because but someone you, from another state, could yeah, go. your state won't let our people hmm. come. We're not going to let your people come.
6: Huh. I didn't know
4: that. I didn't know that either.
1: You get to do a little tit for tat. A guy wrote in like, "How come? How come people don't talk? Like, why is Washington not a popular hunting state one, for, for non-residents?" Like, one <laughs> of the things. Where do we they, start? Yeah, there's a bunch of reasons. Um, they're extremely
5: conservative with tag allocation. Uh, it's it's expensive just to apply, and they I make have a it ton hard. of points in Washington, and now it's three hundred and thirty dollars just for the application fee yeah. for each one. So for like my moose, goat, sheep, I, I just don't do it anymore because it would be a thousand bucks just down the drain. Yeah. Non-refundable. Non-refundable. No shit. Wow. So some states... $330 application fee. Some states will really stick it to you. Like, to
1: even get in is going to cost you. Alaska's smart. I don't should say they're smart. Their strategy is to sucker you in. The application's not bad. You got to buy a base license, and you got to pay these fees, and then you draw, and you get all excited, and they zap you hard on the tag. But then you get people who draw... And can't afford the tag, and it probably screws you up on allocations a little bit. So some states want to be like, "Is he good for it or not?" Send in all your money, demonstrate that you're good for it, so that when we give you the thing, we get our money, and it doesn't like you can wait and then later decide to buy it or not buy it, and then we have a better sense of who's like ready to roll.
6: Yeah, Wyoming, um, you know, uh, mountain goat is a species, and the uh, bison as well, where you can't accrue points for those. Um, but that's all the cash up front. Just like if you were to put in for any of the other species and not, and go for like the thin chance that you might get drawn, um, without the points, you'd throw all your, all your cash up front. Yeah. But yeah, that's 2000 bucks for a goat. If you're putting in for a bison, a bull bison too, you're at like five grand.
4: In Wyoming. Yeah. Damn. What did your tag cost you? that you drew 125 bucks it's 1250 for non-res hmm
1: you want to see a good pivot (laughs) i do speaking of wyoming you like that i do (laughs) that's what we learned to call it we used to call it a segue but someone was saying it's like a
6: pivot (laughs)
4: larry keen larry
6: keen pivots
4: uh larry bird for that matter
2: yeah oh yeah
4: nice um (laughs) real quick Real quick issue.
1: Two real quick issues. No, you guys are all familiar with our friend Ben Long. Very. When we talked about what we're going to talk about, when I touched on, I one time touched on what we're going to talk about. And he emailed me warning me not to talk about it. <laughs> so I don't want to talk about it because it scared me off. So Sam Lundgren's going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was too intimidated. I was too intimidated to talk about it because this is like a, this is like the forbidden subject.
6: Well, that's not very narcissistic of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I, what would
1: I do? What would, what would be a better, more narcissist? You know who Narcissus was? Narcissus. I know Narcissus. Yeah. Narcissus? What's his name? Narcissus. Narcissus. yeah. You know what his story was? He found that little looking pond, Right? And what happened to him? He would just stare at his reflection in a pond. But something bad happened to him eventually, right? Didn't he
5: drown in the pond or something like that?
2: Yeah. I he died by by that. By, by yeah. being so obsessed with his own reflection that that was his downfall. Can you it's type up how Narcissus
5: him. died? What's his name?
2: Narcissus. Narcissus?
1: Can you type up how he died? How he passed away? Rest R.I.P. Rip. Yeah. He found a little pond with a clear surface, and he liked to
5: look at his reflection.
3: And, and to be clear,
5: this is Greek mythology. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Because he was sitting there looking so much and he didn't want to disturb that perfect surface. He got thirsty. Oh. He didn't disturb his the didn't want to disturb that perfect reflection. So died of thirst. Died of thirst.
5: Oh, that's a painful death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially the painting. He looks like he's got his face about six inches away from the water. That's a good story. Yeah, we're, we're talking about not so long
1: ago about the Greeks. Is there's a um uh, there's this principle. It's, um, zenia Z-E-N-I-A, I think, has to do with the guest host bond. Like, it's like somehow related to the relationship of a flower and its pollinator. I've heard of this. I was going to name one of my daughters. I only had one. and named her after my mother. But if I had more, I wanted to name one Xenia. Um, but... Yeah, it has to do with the guest host bond. Like, meaning like if you host someone, like let's say uh let's say my father hosted your father in his home, you would owe me still. Like it's that strong. The guest host bond is that strong. Wow. What culture does that drive from? I learned it when we were reading the Iliad and the Odyssey and uh, That's uh, right. Because sure. it was Troy. You had to do with like. You remember how the dude that, you remember how Achilles, Achilles kills Hector? Mm-hmm. Achilles kills Hector and drags his body all over the damn place. And Hector's dad, Priam, maybe? can remember Hector's dad. Hector's dad comes to beg Achilles, let me have my boy's body back and stop disgracing his body. And there's like all these other things that went on with how he guilted him into it. But part of it had to do with with Achilles' father, um was once the guest of like Priam's father. And so he was somehow through this. Some some people like there's an explanation that because of that, he's like, okay, I'll give you your boy's body back and I'll stop dragging it behind my chariot and making a total mess out of it. Xenia. Uh, Wyoming. In the in the thing that one does not speak about. <sighs> It's, there's a Supreme Court yeah, case. They're, they're, I want to explain
5: to people the damn Supreme Court, <laughs> the Supreme Court court case. Well, now you got me all nervous about about opening my my mouth about it, and you know which I've definitely felt uh, throughout the reporting on this. You want to know how he? You want to know the metaphor he used? I used it the other night. He said it's a deep,
1: cold river, and you will get in over your waiters.
5: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it certainly felt that way, but it's also been a, it's been a fascinating uh, experience diving deep into this. But what we're talking about is the Supreme Court case, Herrera v. Wyoming, which was heard by the United States Supreme Court on January 8th. And they haven't decided yet. No, they haven't decided yet. Uh, most folks anticipate a ruling coming out this summer or this fall, but you don't really know with the Supreme Court. Isn't that funny how it takes so long? Yeah, it, it, it is it kicks funny. up a lot of research issues, I'm guessing. Yeah, and the alleged crime here happened uh, five years ago. Lay it out. Lay it out. All right. What happened? Sam's uh, now getting, he's up to his knees. <laughs> <laughs> he's in his knees.
1: In well, knees you, cold hate, cold you forwarded some hate <laughs> mail
5: to me yesterday about this, so now I'm all nervous. Yeah, because Sam,
1: ri- Sam writes, well, let's clarify. Sam writes an article about this, which can be found at TheMediator.com.
5: What's the article called? It's called Herrera v. Wyoming Inside the Elk Hunting Case Before the Supreme Court uh and he, he's already gotten hate mail yep yep but you know I, I, I mean sure. it, it's more people I- airing their biases sure. towards us um than than hate per se
1: yeah it's not it, it, and this was like it, to be fair to the, the one i'm talking about it wasn't hate mail it was like being like hey man here's some stuff that you might not know about. I, I learned i learned a couple things yeah, i don't I, I shouldn't tip it, I, that was yeah. a bad you know what me saying that was a shitty thing to say because it was not hate mail it was like being like hey i think you missed you're off
5: the mark he was and a total like, dick about it but he, he was so. he was he was uh he, was yeah, correct he wasn't on like some nice s- he wasn't no nuts. he he started off by saying he was sorely disappointed which is uh i feel like i don't know i feel like that's my mom like well i'm not i'm not mad i'm just disappointed yeah. <laughs> I'm it's, like, it's amazing that people some but, people
1: are so uh are, are really disappointed really easily we got a piece of hate mail one time cause, because because just out of habit we use the term like to instead of using something be like you're running it you're like running whatever tripod Mm -hmm. and a guy took the time to write about how bad that is (laughs) so the people are like ready to be not happy
5: yeah they're, they're 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 trying to find any small flaw within it and you know i worked on this for three weeks and i'm sure there are are elements missing but i you know Obviously, my my goal as a journalist here was to put forward the most complete uh, and accurate version I could, and I tried to write something that would walk the line of like explaining this without, you know, pissing off people based on their preconceived notions of it. Um, it, it so I tried into, to play it fair. Into, it with, gets into race. It, it's 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 highly racially charged. So yeah let's let's back up a little bit and talk about what happened so there's this guy clavin herrera who used to be a game warden for the crow tribe of southeastern montana um and with two friend with a couple friends uh they followed a herd of elk off of the crow reservation across the state line into wyoming the bighorn national forest where they killed three elk that they packed out uh the game warden who ultimately found, who ultimately uh, tracked down this case and um, brought them to to justice, if you will, found a fourth bull that was untouched, but uh, they all claim that that was, that must've been from something else or that he's lying or something like that. Okay. Um, and how, how did the, is it worth getting into how the warden tracked down? I think it is worth getting into because uh, I found that story. to be, I found that to be a fascinating element of this. Um, so this 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 warden who uh, testified before uh, the, to, the before the court in Wyoming, um, and I read through all of that. Uh, so he was finding a lot of poaching cases in this area. I, he he referenced a friend of his who's a shed hunter who's spending a bunch of time up there, and this guy alone, who's not law enforcement, reported twelve elk poaching cases in this area that year butchered or partly busher yeah it's butchered like carpets. like there's one where it's a big bull um with missing just its head and its uh, back straps um and yeah I, i've got a i've got a quote um
3: sounds like good hunting zone yeah
5: <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's getting out the onyx. <laughs> drops, yeah, this drops,
3: drops
1: wait, wait a minute. minute.
5: This warden said, "I was getting pretty desperate. I mean, you know, the public entrusts a game warden to enforce the game laws. Uh, the way the vehicles were coming, and going, it was obvious to me there was a possibility it was members of the Crow tribe who were responsible for some of this." Um, but the way he actually, the way he actually got to these particular guys, and it it sounds like there, you know, there's probably different groups of people And the crow tribe is large with a large reservation. Uh, but the way he got to, uh, these particular people and Herrera in particular was Herrera sent an email to Wyoming fishing game asking to discuss poaching incidents in this very area. Okay. And, that was forwarded on to this game warden Dustin Shorma, who then reached back out to Herrera and said "heck yeah I'd love to talk about that we're having we're we're getting our asses kicked out there basically so they met up uh, on a back road near the state line in this area and and talked about what what their two departments could do to collaborate uh and to try to solve this problem. But he walked away with kind of a fishy feeling about that meeting.
1: So that was the he he Herrera, who whose name carries the Supreme Court case. Yes. He reached I didn't realize this. Even like all right, I didn't realize but I didn't realize the implication of it. Yeah. He initiated contact. He
5: did. I can I could pull up that email if you if you Yeah. If you if I somehow you missed to see that. See like it. In
1: re, even reading it and talking with you about it, I missed that fact.
5: Yeah, he sent that email. I knew there was, he, was a conversation, but I didn't know that
1: that's how it was initiated.
5: Yeah, and he yeah. voluntarily went to meet up with uh, Dustin Shorma at the state line. They went up and looked at the carcass of a spike bull that had been poached in that area. But Shorma walked away feeling uh, uncomfortable with the meeting. Um, Here's, here's another quote from his testimony. He was interested in knowing who I suspected was responsible for these poaching incidents. He was curious as to the capabilities of our forensic laboratory in Laramie. On the way home, I was kind of, I don't know, maybe excited that I'd be able to solve some of these cases. But by the same token, it bothered me some of the conversations that we had. I started thinking like I was maybe being in, taken advantage of, I guess. Um, so he got home and Googled Clavin Herrera. And found uh, his Facebook, but also found his postings on a bragboard website called monstermuleys.com. Is it fair to call that a bragboard? Uh, that's what a lot of other folks have called it. But bragboard? Uh, I, I, yeah, you know, I haven't I feel really like had... it's just dudes swapping info, man. Whatever. It's well, a no, no, forum. no, no, no,
3: no. That's part within those forums a lot of times. There'll be sections where you swap info, but then there's also like a thread or an a zone where just, all it is is like here's here's what I I, right here.
5: I wasn't trying to preference that. It's just kind of shorthand. Yeah, but, no, no, I got you. You know I what I you mean? You. I got you.
1: But I, yeah, I just would hate to take like a thing like that where people are, you know, sharing like legitimate info. Sure. And sure. And also yeah, that's like, fair. Yeah, you like to look. It's like you like to show pictures of. I don't know. Yeah, yeah go go all, we
4: all we all
5: like to do that. Go I mean, ahead. I guess Instagram has become a brag board. Brag board. That's fine. Brag board uh, or forum website. But uh, found a post there that Herrera had made called Goodyear on the Crow Reservation. Okay. And there was photos of uh, these three elk in question, uh, also a pronghorn and a mule deer that other folks he, he knew had killed. Um, but Shorma saw, looked closely at the background of the photos and felt like they looked like they were in Wyoming. Okay. He felt like he recognized the topography, the vegetation, um, Obviously, he knows this area very well uh, and talked about that at length in his testimony about how familiar he is with the landscape. Um, He said, just based on the limited topography and vegetation, I could see from the photographs. I kind of had a hunch where it was at, but I wanted to confer with some people who knew the area a lot better than I did. So we talked to some folks. He talked to that guy who'd reported all the the poaching incidents. Um, And then this is... Many months later, uh, after the snow had cleared, because they weren't able to get up into that into that area in May. So this uh, the, that shooting and uh, the conversation between Shorma and Herrera happened in January. In May, uh, Shorma went in there with a wildlife investigator and printouts of these photos, and they basically walked to the kill sites and found all the carcasses. Uh, he talked a lot about um, finding like the f- the frozen ball of of like cud, if you will. Yep. Um, that apparently doesn't doesn't get taken by by uh, predators when they when they scavenge. Can I interrupt you real quick. Go ahead. Talk about that, Seth, with your special buffalo tag that you didn't fill. Um, <laughs> no, this is fascinating. Yeah, I've never the, heard of this.
4: They they send you all this information when you draw this tag, and one of the the rules that they want you to follow is if you kill one you have to cut open the stomach con you cut open the stomach and spread the contents out what because think about yep. it when mugs have been hunting in the area
1: later other people go you have this big bloated stomach i mean grizzlies and yeah. stuff eventually eat it but then you got like that you know it just winds up so they want you to cut it because then when you cut it and emptied out it's like a really small thing i feel like it's aesthetics there's no other explanation yeah it's gotta be aesthetics because everything else is going to mop up all the soft tissue. Ravens, whatever, gets into it quick.
6: Yeah, I mean, a predator, or a scavenger rather, is going to come tear that stomach open. Oh, bears yeah. leave it. just leaves it looking
1: like someone dumped out a bag of lawn clippings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, there's no other explanation besides like just
6: the way it looks. It's a yeah, because there issue. is yeah. uh, a lot of uh, non hunting recreator oh, yeah. overlap. Yeah, in those and, and that's yeah, like the size of a wheelbarrow. Sure. Yeah.
2: That stomach is like, you couldn't even fit it in most (laughs) wheelbarrows. And that's also a sensitive topic around there, shooting Buffalo and there are a lot of folks who are up in arms about that. Oh, dude, there's a whole organization built around... A whole organization. So I I can kind of understand why they want to worry about the optics of that. Yeah. All right, go on. They did did some
5: cut analysis. Yeah. They... uh, But they were able to take photos that matched the photo printouts. They had brought with them um by identifying specific like unique knots on trees and burn marks and branch configurations and 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 took gps waypoints at the same time finding all these all these kill sites were um they said within the space of about a football field and they were all a mile away from the montana border okay um so he and they. They so they found those three butchered elk, um, which, uh, in Herrera's defense, sounds like they were well. They were well taken care of. They'd taken all the meat. Okay, but they did find a fourth bowl that had been untouched. And so, but it's May now. Yes, but it's so, May. So that so it's 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 unclear uh, whether that was from Herrera or. His group, or somebody else, or if it died of natural causes. I got you. Somehow so they,
4: they couldn't tell what that bull died from.
5: I don't remember exactly. um There, there's, there's a lot of chatter about this. I think is something we should I'm sure, we yeah. should discuss. I I've like, heard a ever, lot of the chatter. That's why I'm, I'm letting yeah.
1: you say because you've looked into it more. I've heard a lot of chatter, and I heard some like surprising things that, that I don't know if they're true or not.
5: Yeah. And, you know, I, I've had very little uh, conversation with Clavin Herrera, but I have tried to get in touch with him several times and I asked him specifically about that. Um, that was the first thing I asked him in fact, because it's a, you know, it's a big accusation to level at a hunter. And, um, but I also figured that was something that would, you know, maybe get him to respond to me instead of a softball question. Uh, and he told me he, um, he wouldn't even dignify it with a response. That's how like, you know, he felt very highly insulted by the accusation. Um, but anyway, uh, that's what the, the, the game warden from Wyoming said they found. Um, so they, they put together this evidence, um, the GPS waypoints, the photographic, um, matches, and he confronted Herrera on the crow reservation, um, in uh, September and cited him for uh, two misdemeanors, obviously the hunting out of season without a license, but also being accessory to other people doing so Uh, for the, the two folks, they um, they possessed or they uh, they seized the heads of the elk. All three elk had already been eaten by that point. Okay. Um, And uh, those three folks uh, went to court, Uh, they, uh, were pressured very hard by the state of Wyoming, uh, to plead guilty to plead out the, the state of Wyoming was seeking some $30,000 in fines and was going to, you know, come after them really hard with like, you know, removal of hunting privileges and certain things. Uh, the two other guys, um, whose names are escaping me right now, uh, did plead guilty. Um, for a lighter fine. Yes. Uh, and somewhere in the neighborhood of 8,000. Okay. Um, and probation and not hunting in Wyoming for three years. Um, a lot of, a lot of this stuff is, uh, I, I, I feel like people who know this case are just taking notes about what I'm getting wrong here. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to, uh, I'd like to, you know, kind of address that briefly by saying that a lot of these case files are sealed because it's an active, active litigation before the Supreme court. Nobody wants to talk about this. Like the guy who sent us that, that pissy note, um, yesterday, uh, he was privy to sealed information. He was very, he was privy to sealed information and, uh, ended his, his letter, um, with a long disclaimer about how we could not reproduce this. We could not, use his name, that it was not the official opinion of anybody or anything. Uh, and that's the, that's what I've run up against a lot in this court case. Um, because, well, because I've so, even had friends. So I've many people are ga- say, well, you know on what it. happened? Yeah. And then they'd tell me some
1: other part of it. And I would say, well, man, how, where can I go see that?
5: And they'd say, you can't, it's not part of the public. So factor. it's hard to, yeah. And, and what I'm, what I'm talking about here, this testimony, uh, what I extracted by, by, skimming through 270 pages of court transcription from the from the testimony but anyway um the, the 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 court in Wyoming um did a issued a pre-trial decision saying that these men could not use a treaty right argument within this within this case so they in in,
1: that, in I, that trial that you, you don't need to explain it to me but i i just don't understand the court system enough to
5: understand that I, I don't either, Steve. And so it, and it seems, it's, it seems odd. It seems odd to me. I but wish I understood it better. I do. I do too. And I, I imagine this podcast will get a lot of people re- reaching out and maybe somebody we can actually quote about it. Um, and, and I'd I, I love to talk, to talk to anybody about this. And I, I'm sorry if I pissed anybody off I with think my reporting. I want to
1: point out, I think you're doing a great job. Okay, thanks. I appreciate that. You're trying really hard. Because here's the thing. It's not like we're airing someone's dirty laundry. This yeah. is being heard by the Supreme Court. Yeah. And as we'll get to, this could, is something that could have significant, I don't want to say major, could have significant tangible ramifications.
6: It could and it couldn't. Yep, um, it couldn't. It couldn't. So, so have you hit some points here, Sam? Where you like during your uh, investigation here, tracking down um, leads? Have you hit some points where you're like, I, I'm just this is pointless to go forward?
3: Yes.
5: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I wanted to walk away from this so badly. I, 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 I got to the point where I was like, man, I really wish I hadn't opened my mouth about this story. Cause it it got to, it got to the point where it was, it was very difficult to proceed and to really know, to be able to parse it because everybody, everybody's got a vested interest here. And there, there's so many different strange, like competing uh, sympathies. Uh, Most of the mainstream news coverage you see on here is about this is oh nasty wyoming is just being mean to those natives that they promised this to and now they're reneging on these treaty rights all these 100 this 150 years later um but then on the other side of it uh you know is some some pretty uh i feel like overblown um rhetoric about what would happen Uh, I've seen, I've seen both extremes. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And so that, that's what I was seeking to accomplish with this story is to, is to make something that people could read all the way through that, you know, was aware of those extremes, but didn't buy into them. And I think honestly, most of the, the feedback I've been getting about this was hunters saying hunters were angry at us for not condemning Herrera. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, 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 that's just not my role as a journalist. Like I kept myself out of this as much as I possibly could. Obviously, you can't completely eliminate bias, but I wasn't willing. To, I wasn't willing to say that. You know, he. But you haven't even. Get,
1: but you haven't even gotten to the part that the court cares about.
5: Yep. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the part that the court cares you get about. all circumspect, but we're not. Yeah. Belated. Well. Yeah. So th- so that's how he got caught. Uh, the went went to trial. He was found guilty. The the. Uh, jury agreed with the prosecution that, uh, and so he argued because he couldn't make the treaty right argument in court, he argued that he didn't know he was in Wyoming. And that is the, can I return to what sidetracked us? Yeah. Like, some legal professional needs
1: to explain to me how you can, how in a court they can, it can be dictated to you what, I don't get it. Like, let's say you kill someone, and you're like, you're like, but it was self defense, bro, or I'm gonna act
5: like it was self defense, whatever. And they say you can't say that. Yeah, I don't understand that, but I don't understand. Tri- well, okay, so okay, so, law, so I think I think, I think I think part of this, and gosh, I wish I I wish I understood this well, this also, better. But part of it is is an issue, is a thing called issue preclusion. So I think I think that's what perhaps where where this pre-trial ish, uh, decision derives from, because. Wyoming is saying that because this issue has already been litigated oh. in in high court decisions that I'm about to discuss, because this issue has already been been litigated, you can't relitigate that issue. Yes. So, so what? What? Hold on one second. Yeah, sec. go ahead. He's
6: saying he didn't know he was in the state of Wyoming, but he wasn't like. The list of charges brought against him didn't include hunting without
5: a license. It yeah, it did. It did? Uh-huh. Oh, He, okay. would, he would have been legal. Agree.
1: He would have been it wouldn't have been Wyoming's issue
5: yeah. on the Crow Reservation. I don't believe the Crow tribe issues deer or elk hunting licenses because it, it's treated as a as a inalienable right. You're allowed to go shoot deer and elk as a crow tribe member on the reservation kind of whenever you want. Okay. Collateral
6: um, estoppel is your issue preclusion.
5: Yeah, issue preclusion is is by and large what's being argued um, by
2: Wyoming in the Supreme Court. Gotcha. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, but isn't there also something that hinges upon the definition of occupied land? Yes. Oh, yeah, but that, we haven't got to that yet. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. Jumping. The gun. But no.
1: I, but you know what? Now I'm feeling it on how you cannot. Like let's say let's say we live in some fictitious world in which um, some Supreme court decides that, that self-defense is not a justifiable self-defense isn't justifiable for murder. So then later I'm like, I get murdered. I'm like, well, I'm going to say that it was self-defense and they say, no, you're not because it's been decided that that isn't a defense. So I could see some version. Go on. Yeah. I'm feeling better now.
5: Yeah. So, uh, Wyoming is, is pointing to, uh, two separate court cases. um, an 1896 Supreme court ruling called Ward V racehorse moment. I'll back up because you're not, you're not there yet. I'm tracking. You're tight. right. You're, tracking you're right. Tight. You're You're right. You're right. He uh, appeals. I'm, He's convicted and appeals. Yes. And, uh, the appeal obviously has made it to the United States Supreme court. And what is his, what is his appeal? His appeal, it's the forbidden appeal. Correct. Uh, His appeal is that the 1868 Second Treaty of Fort Laramie included language that the Crow Tribe – when the Crow Tribe ceded some 30 million acres of Montana, Wyoming, North and South Dakota to the United States and were allotted their, I think, 8 million acre uh, reservation – they retained the right to hunt on the unoccupied lands of the United States so long as game may be found thereon. Some wishy washy words. Yeah. Yeah. But. W-
1: w- no, not words. A wishy washy word, right? What is it? Unclaimed or unoccupied?
5: Unoccupied. Okay. Yeah. Unoccupied lands of the United States so long as game may be found thereon. So the state of Wyoming became a state shortly after that in 1890. And in 1896, the Shoshone-Bannock tribe um, tried to assert a similar hunting right with similar language, I think the same language, actually unoccupied lands of the United States, um, asserting off-reservation tribal hunting rights in Wyoming. And the Supreme Court said that um, when the state of Wyoming entered the union, they did so on the same footing as all other states, the equal footing doctrine. That's, that's pretty ubiquitous. Um, and that, that equal footing includes sovereignty over the natural resources within that state. So Ward v. Racehorse said that the, the Shoshone-Bannock's tribal hunting rights were extinguished by Wyoming's statehood. Like they became not unoccupied. Yes. That, that land became occupied when Wyoming yeah. became a state. It was, it was unoccupied territory prior to that. Then it became a state. Interesting. So that's, that's your definition
6: right there of what is occupied.
5: Yes. And that's being tested. Right? Yes. And, and that's, and there's, there's another layer to that. Um, there was another uh there's another uh decision from the 10th circuit court in 1995 so just shy of 100 years later um in a case called crow tribe of indians versus repsis which is a a, a very similar case to this it was a crow tribal member who killed an elk out of season without a license in the bighorn national forest oh, wow. that did not go to the supreme court uh, it that ended at the at the 10th Circuit Court. But the Tenth Circuit asserted that the creation of the Bighorn National Forest resulted in the occupation of the land. The Bighorn National Forest was designated in 1897. It's one of the oldest protected areas um, in the country. So there's those two, those two cases. But shortly thereafter, after the uh, Repsis decision in 1995. Uh, the Supreme Court heard a case called Minnesota v. Mill Band of Chippewa Indians. Um, and the, cur- the court maintained in that decision that the Mill Locks tribe main- did maintain hunting and fishing rights on the lands they had c- ceded under a similar treaty agreement, um, but they did not reverse either the racehorse or the Repsis decision. So now there's these three conflicting precedents yep. that the Supreme Court is is, is wrestling with.
6: Yeah, because I'd have to challenge, like, is the U.S. territory of Guam technically unoccupied because it's not incorporated as a state?
1: Well, and like, it, you could show up and hunt, like, a tribal member could go hunt Guam.
5: The oral arguments good in the Supreme Guam. Court, uh, yeah, I don't know.
2: I don't think so, no.
5: The, the Supreme Court um, wrestled with this in in the oral oral arguments, and I mean they're they're throwing jokes back and forth about like how the hell do we decide what unoccupied land is? They asked, uh, let's see, three lawyers, uh, attorneys spoke before the Supreme Court, um, one representing Herrera, one representing the United States. who, who is intervening on behalf of Herrera mm-hmm. in this case? So they're siding with the Crow tribe and then the the attorney for uh, Wyoming, uh, And they asked all of them. What, how do, how do we, what's unoccupied what's land? How do we decide that? I asked a Are, wildlife professional about this. Um, I don't want
1: to tell who because he, you know, we, I didn't talk to him about how I was going to use this perspective. But I was asking, like, when, when people were drawing up these treaties, I was expressing some surprise about using language that would be so confounding to later generations. <laughs> and he said that... Uh, confounding. Confounding it he said that that probably wasn't the word that mattered to them because he goes like at the time when they were doing this because i think the assumption was that the game would be exhausted yes yes that they, I've, didn't, I've read they, that. they didn't view it wasn't no one was picturing that we'd still have the resources and it was like they were watching it vanish hey, as long as it's
5: there Go ahead. Well, hell, we all know it, it ain't going to be there it long. Was, it was exhausted. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's and that's an interesting uh, argument that hasn't been made, but has been suggested to me that elk were extirpated from the Bighorn Mountains. Yeah. So, so the, the treaty language not only says the unoccupied lands part, but so long as game may be found thereon. So the state of Wyoming also could make the argument that because at one point game could not be found thereon, In the Bighorn National Forest in the state of Wyoming, brought them back, as well as bringing elk back to the Crow Reservation. That you know the the treaty right was extinguished because of that. That is not the argument they made, but it's one they perhaps could have. That's amazing. Yeah, and 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 I've I've heard that too. That uh, the uh, negotiators, if you will, for the United States at the time were thinking that. That well, we're we're <laughs> we're damn uh, far down the road of getting rid of all the bison and elk and everything, and they're probably not going to last a whole lot longer. So, what 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 val- validity does this have? This this tri- this right will will go away just because they won't be have anything left to to shoot not too long.
1: It seems that the money is betting on Wyoming. Losing, like we don't know how much they'll lose or how bad they'll lose, but the money seems to be betting on that Wyoming will lose.
5: Yes. Yes. That's, that's, uh, that's my, uh, if I had to read the tea leaves. And there's two, there's two competing wisdoms
1: here. One competing, one, one wisdom, one idea is that this will mean that the whole system that we've built around, Assessing wildlife populations, making a determination about harvestable quotas, and being able to enforce that—like all of that's gone now. If, if one, I'm just saying that the, the two look radical competing with yes, that, okay. is, that is the radical. I'm, I'm giving the radicals here. Yeah, the, the radical sides, and 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 we'll get in on what might be the thing. But like you, you wouldn't need to. You you don't need to look far to find someone who could say, well, what this could mean was is. Tribal members can go out onto any national forest, any BLM land. I've even heard na- national park. Oh yeah, and shoot whatever you want, yes. whenever you want, whenever you want. Yeah, it's unoccupied land, and it'll make land and it'll make wildlife management very difficult because we won't have enforcement systems and quotas and and bag limits and seasons and all that. That's a, that's one thing. Another thing is that um, this is nothing new. Other states have been in this situation. There's states that work in cooperation
5: with most states, tribal hunters, and it wasn't
1: wasn't wildlife Armageddon, and there's no reason to think that it will be here. Those are like,
5: right? I haven't been able to confirm this, but uh, I've heard a couple times that Wyoming is the only state that does not allow any form of off-reservation treaty hunting. Every other, apparently, I, I, I cannot confirm this, but I have heard that every other state in the West, there exists some form. I mean, we were just talking about it in the case of the Gardner bison hunt. That's off reservation treaty hunting. Yeah. And so,
1: there, I think, and, and man, I, I could be off, but in there, I feel like it just has to be. That the tribe exit, like the tribe doing the bison hunting, but they're doing it in cooperation. They're like, there's exactly. like quotas they put in place. So it that's exactly that what people have missed. It's like historic use patterns. Yes. So it can't be that, like, that I don't think that that someone from, um, like, a seminal, perhaps, I don't know, I could be wrong on this. I don't think a seminal could come out and make a claim that they're going to shoot Buffalo on the border of Yellowstone National Park. I think it has to be. A group that has some sort of historic use standing pattern. now. The Nez Perce, who I went there, the, as we all know, when the Yez, Nez Perce were during the Nez Perce War, um, they traveled through Yellowstone. So it was like they had a, an awareness of the area. They were able to navigate through there. They had historically gone out and hunted on the plains. There's like a, our our, like our people. If they didn't know about it and didn't know how to travel through there, they wouldn't have gone through there in 1877. So we yes. had a historic, There was a historic use. Yes, and and, and many
5: tribes uh, have petitioned based on historic use and treaty language successfully and in very very recently too um, to uh, restore those those hunting rights based on historic use
1: yeah. They don't use, this happened to me, it's annoying, this helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash That's rocketmoney.com slash eater. Rocketmoney.com slash to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Man, I just got a new truck. Before I even drove my new truck anywhere, I wasn't going to drive it anywhere until I put a deck system in it. That's, how, that's what a believer I am in decked. I always thought they were a great deal, but now they're even better because they have redesigned their drawer system in storage cases from the ground up. It's like, I didn't know there was a problem with them. I don't know. They seem great to me. It's an improvement on perfection. The new system, made in the USA, gives you 10 to 30% bigger drawers to fit more gear. It's lockable and secure, right? Weatherproof storage for all your gear. You build it right into your truck bed. You still have a truck bed you can put stuff on. The top deck of the new system. Has eight D ring tie downs integrated into the steel. So you have really burly anchor points to hook stuff down on your bed. So you got to slam on the brakes or take off real fast. Nothing shifts. And like I said, they're, they're D rings that lay real flat. Like you still slide stuff right across the deck. It doesn't catch on the D rings. The D rings are built in. The drawer system fits any trucker van on the road in the USA from the last 20 plus years. Deck is a game changer. There's no more like leaving stuff at home that you wish you had with you. The stuff I want in my truck is in my truck, out of the way, and secure. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free
5: shipping. Um so what didn't we hit? What didn't we hit? Well, yeah, okay, so we we didn't we didn't quite we didn't quite uh wrap that wrap that up about what, what would happen. So yeah, there's people who are saying, well, yes, if the, S- the Supreme Court you know, rules in favor of Herrera. Then all of a sudden, there will be tribal members in every national forest in the West shooting whatever they want, whenever they want. I'd be, I'd be extreme. I would be that. That's just not going to happen. Well, Fact of the matter is, that's not going to happen. Yeah, but you don't know because there could be
1: some huge sweeping. Like now and then, the court will have like some huge <laughs> sweeping thing that causes a lot of
5: yes, but the, that there overturns the, a lot the, of the doctrine of conservation necessity is in everyone's minds here and that is a a a well-established um precedent that's that basically prevents courts from issuing decisions that would have drastic negative consequences for wildlife populations okay this is this is this is something that dates back a long ways and um the Supreme Court is is highly aware of. The Supreme Court is unlikely to completely solve this issue. Uh, they they typically, I mean, the Supreme Court deals in high-minded I- ideals, if you will. So they, what I would guess they would do is issue a test for occupancy. To I, I imagine they will say that there are unoccupied lands. In Wyoming still but what that means that that they may remand to a lower court or they may issue some form like what what I think about here is another case I'm familiar with is you know the current litigation surrounding the Clean Water Act Uh, so that the the issue there is like what 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 are connected waterways so like what are you allowed to pollute what are you not allowed to pollute and um, what they're basing a lot of the the revision of that clean water act rulemaking is on um, significant nexus or is it, is it navigable or, you know, how water flows from one place to the other. That's what the Supreme court likes to do is like, here's a test. This is how you go down and you go figure it out. Yeah. And so they'll probably remand to the 10th uh, circuit or whomever it is um, based on this. And I've heard some, I've heard some suggestions that it's, 150 yards from a road and 200 yards from a campground in in a national forest in on on public land, or so so they they may issue some some like th- these are unoccupied lands, but the conservation the doctrine of conservation necessity will likely lead them or the lower court they were manned to to f- effectively force Wyoming and the Crow tribe to come to the table and and say okay you you do have the crow tribal members do have this right to hunt these unoccupied lands whatever they may be
1: and put it to wyoming to accommodate
5: them yeah exactly wyoming will have to accommodate them and and in the story i have an example of how how that um went down with a a tribe in colorado okay um and so uh, you know one guy i talked to uh, for this, for this story, uh, he get, he gives the, uh, example of, um, so say there's hundred elk tags for that unit currently. He, it, if he's looking in the crystal ball or tea leaves or whatever, he's saying like, you know, currently, and you know, these, these are numbers out of thin air, but he's like, so if you currently have 80 licenses of those licenses going to residents and 20 going to non-residents after, Whatever may happen, if they rule in favor of Herrera, then you'd have sixty of those licenses going to residents, ten going to non-residents, and like thirty going to Crow tribe members. Yeah. Members. So, th- so that's in that that's case, how like that's a how, significant reduction of available tags. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, that's a, you just brought up something that's interesting with the guy the, this idea of like, should you be able to do non-resident hunting? Is um, most states also put a cap? Most states limit like an available resource where only ten percent of the resource can go to non residents.
5: Yeah, and Wyoming does all sorts of crazy stuff like that. Like you can't hunt in the wilderness areas as a non resident yeah, without without, without a guide. Yeah. Which I
6: believe is unconstitutional, but
1: I believe
5: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I asked the governor there about that.
1: He didn't even want to discuss it with me. <laughs> I,
6: he I would know. imagine he's like that's
1: an unfair rule. How do you justify that? He goes, I don't need to justify it to you. <laughs> 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 I just point out it was it was a joking he didn't really. I mean, it was weird. informally joking around
6: uh my buddies over there on the idaho side that that's kind of what they always come back to is like listen you may have more pressure in your area but the number of non-resident hunters doesn't change it's like for the last x amount of years it's been this much it's capped yeah it's like it's it's never above 10 percent and he's like, Yeah, I, I don't doubt that you're seeing more pressure in your zone. Well, Colorado Archery Elk
1: is not capped. There's over-to-counter tags all over the damn state.
6: Oh, really? Yeah. It's oh, that's not capped. That's interesting because Brody every... feels
1: like you will, that Brody Brody's predicting that you will see the end of that. Yeah. It'll become capped.
3: I, I thought that they. W- I guess not. Right?
6: Something's happening to move it
3: that direction. Oh, they're doing some stuff this year, but they didn't. They didn't cap like for the OTC tags. They didn't do any Idaho.
6: Every non-resident purchase goes against that quota. So it doesn't matter if you're buying all the way up in the Panhandle, uh, you know, unit one, or all the way on the complete opposite side of Hell's Canyon um it all comes out of a non-resident pool can i uh i know i got us off on that but can i get us back what are we yeah. missing sam
1: i feel like we've covered it so we gotta wait now we got we gotta wait but yeah you know i mean to if you had to one to ten it one to ten it um this is like one to ten it um like this is like oh my god this is gonna change life as we know it being a 10, hmm. one will be that there's no, not even a blip. You'll never re- you could live your whole life and never knew this happened. Um, where are you putting it? If, Man, this is the like, tough spot I'm putting you into.
5: Yeah, it is. I wish you'd asked me that an hour ago, and I could have thought about it a little bit. But I'd say a three or a four. You put a three or four. Yeah, I mean, it, if I told had, and, you this, and so and we, and everybody like with, with this piece, everybody wanted to put like big implications in the in the headline and and major changes coming, and I and I just I, I was uncomfortable with that because I. Because because of the con- doctrine of conservation necessity, we don't have unregulated hunting in the United States, by and large. You know th- this will this will ultimately fit into some form of game management system. Will people in Wyoming lose opportunity? That's that's possible. I don't think Seems this quite possible. Yeah, quite possible. Um, but uh, you know something something that um, Herrera's lawyer keeps harping on whenever I've talked to her is that elk are over objective in that unit and that Wyoming apparently can't get rid of enough elk tags. And so what's interesting about this, and we talk about this and you talk about it too, is that
1: none of this matters to the court. No, the Supreme court doesn't care like (laughs) about the elk objective. They don't care if you took all the meat, none of the meat, it doesn't matter if you shot a hundred of them. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you tortured them. They're talking it about. It doesn't matter if it was ceremonial. They're it's talking like,
5: about like three or four words. They're talking about issue preclusion and unoccupied lands. Yeah. They're not, That's they're all not they
1: making like, was this ethical? or it's like, it's like, they're looking at something very clean. Yeah. All of the stuff we're getting into, all the prelude is like germane. It's yeah. like, is someone who's living under this treaty that was made with the federal government what is the definition of a term that was used in your treaty yeah that's all and so matter.
5: like and so that whole story i took i took people through is like and that, that's what everybody points to is like it's like oh man he just he's felt so guilty he felt he really feels like poaching even someone on staff was like well he was poaching let's just say he was poaching um, it's not. that's, not, but what it's not, that's not that's not that's not what's afoot here that, that's not what the supreme court does
3: more than likely i would expect that whatever the Supreme court decides, there will be another ruling by a lower court case that will decide if he was poaching or not. And mm-hmm. he'll get slapped with a fine for that. No, you don't think so. No, if he wins,
1: he's not going to get a, if he wins the Supreme court case, he's not going to get fined by the state.
5: Right. If well, you know, who knows? Let, let, let's, let's revisit <laughs> this after. Yeah. Let's bring a lawyer in here, but yeah. So I, I, I really, I really think that, you know, it, it it will affect hunters in Wyoming um, by some measure, but I don't think it uh, blows up the North American model of wildlife conservation like some people are asserting.
1: That's your prediction. That's my prediction. We'll, we'll return to it.
5: Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm hooked now. I can't help but continue to follow this. So, uh, it's. It's gonna be. It's gonna be quite a while until this is resolved. So we'll have plenty more opportunities. I don't have a good segue for what's coming next. Do you have a pivot?
2: No.
1: Well, yeah, I think a pivot, that's just like you just start talking about something different, right?
3: No, a pivot's kind of like a segue. Yeah.
5: You could just jump. I like how you're wearing your things. You have a jump. My, my, da- my, dad <laughs> calls, my dad calls it changing gears without hitting the, without stepping on the clutch. Yeah, I'm not clutching. And he loves to do that. He just changes, changes topics uh, on the drop of a hat. Mid-sentence. Oh, I forgot to clutch there. Sorry. Because the, <laughs> the,
1: the, the theme here, one of the themes here is um, uh, we're talking about, here, here I'm, I'm working this out. One of the things is we're talking about, we're talking with writers, and uh, and, and writing. We're talking about writing. That can be found at themeatEater mm. And I'm pivoting to Miles, Nick Nolte's kid.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Miles Nolte. He never sent me any good, you know, birthday gifts or anything. Mm-mm. That's what I was always hoping. That's disappointing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, he could have afforded some some good shit. I never got anything. You got to do a paternity. Claim. like well how else would i have the same name (laughs) uh lay out your deal so uh, the story that we're talking about comes from i mean this kind of kicked around in my head when i was ice fishing not too long ago and we were we were having a good day and we were pulling a whole lot of perch through the ice and just kind of taking them off the hook and, and, and we had probably three inches of standing water on the ice in the hut at that time and I could just hear these dozens of perch splashing around beneath us, not not really dying, just kind of gasping and half freezing. Mm-hmm. And and it got me thinking about how, particularly as hunters, we talk a lot about ethical killing.
1: Yeah. Like you'd never have a half alive deer in the back of your truck. No. No, you Well, that happened to my old man once, but it was accidental.
2: <laughs> and it was a roadkill. He didn't he didn't do it. someone else did it. You'd never drag a half alive deer and like have it kicking behind me. That that's fine. Yeah. I'm not worried about that. Well, that sounds pretty dangerous too. I mean, there is that aspect, yeah. but no, it's I, beyond. But that's not what—that's not the point here. It's right? beyond danger. Yes. <laughs> so, I, I, it got me thinking about how we we talk a lot about ethical killing, and we judge people who kill. What, how we determine to be unethically as hunters, but no one seems to give a shit about fish. My sister-in-law. You're, okay, your sister-in-law being the. Exception. And we
1: tease her for it. We tease her for it, and she it, makes yeah. it her job to dispatch fish, and we ridicule her for it. <laughs> but. We don't have live squirrels bouncing around
2: in our game bags. No. That would be barbaric. And, and if you wound a bird, bird hunting, and it's still flopping, what do you do? Kill it immediately. 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 You know? And if you don't, you're a bad person, right? I mean, by all of like the collective consciousness assessment. Of, but with of fish, you're like tough shit. We just let them go. Why is it? And this is my question. This is what I started thinking about is why, why do we not care about fish?
1: It's, I think it's like, well, I don't know. I think it's just like a, what the, the
2: amount of credit you give them. As yeah, a spe- it's that, as it's a, that hierarchy a sense it's... you've
5: talked about before.
2: But so uh, at, at, after you and I talked about this, Steve, I, I went and, and did a deep dive into some of the literature, like the, the actual research literature on this. And, uh, on and the have- dark web? Yeah, yes, the, the dark web <laughs> is, that, is that what we're calling academia you were, you, right yeah, now? Yeah, you, yeah, want you gotta type in the truth about it. <laughs> the, the truth about whatever, and then you'll get fish. you'll get the real answer. <laughs> and and believe it or not, like in certain biology circles or certain certain uh, corners of academia right now, there's a lively debate about how much pain fish feel and whether or not they do feel pain and this they're like these sort of these two camps that are lobbying articles back and forth in different journals they keep referencing the same each other and and going back and forth convinced fish do feel pain or convinced the argument for why fish can't feel pain and it seems to me that all of this like I, I learned i learned a lot of vocabulary while i was doing this i, f- I figured you guys would, would appreciate vocabulary so one being um it, the things that cause pain in to, to critters are referred to as noxious stimuli.
4: I love that. Got it. Yep. I'm liking that one.
2: Yep. And that'd be a good name for a
4: band. <laughs> yeah, it would. Like it's real hard metal rock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
5: very like death metal, noxious yeah, stimuli. Yeah, a lot, a lot of like
4: feedback.
5: And they sing like,
4: <laughs>
2: like so that. Just death metal. <laughs> yeah. Well, well that, this that's a great segue into your lead. It is. But I'm, I'm I've got more. Like I've got I've got these the, the the it goes on right, right. like you got nauseous stimuli
5: i'm just saying nirvana
2: oh uh, i know I, I do cover yeah. that in the article yeah. we, do, we do get into you know <laughs> I, I do believe there's there's possibly like the reason at least our generation doesn't think that, that that's cool to torture fish is because is of kurt cobain we can completely blame him for his, his <laughs> lyric that you know it's okay to eat fish because they don't have any feelings but I, I don't buy that cobain said that he did underneath the bridge yeah yeah, yeah.
1: never did like that band <laughs> oh, I did. I mean, nothing to do with that. just never liked him. Well, you're from
5: that area. Yeah, uh, I know. Couldn't help it.
2: I still, I don't, I don't, I don't consider him like a solid source on, on fish perception. <laughs> you don't go there for your ichthyology. I, I, I don't. I there don't.
5: were people in my
6: class bawling the day Cobain killed himself, or the day the news came out that he had killed himself. Well, listen, I'm not to talk
1: about being, I'm not going like, to act like I'm sad when someone passes away. Or no, I'm not. I'm not I'm sorry, I'm not going to act like. <laughs> I'm not going to say like. That's not. I, I meant I said the opposite. I went. I, I'm saying like. Me digging I them. I just don't like the music. It has yeah. no bearing on my feelings about one's passage, especially but, if someone that has a child. Yes.
2: But I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pivot this back to, to where I. The, the, the noxious stimuli are things that could hurt something. The the behavior of responding to noxious stimuli without being conscious of it are is known as nociception or nociception. I'm not totally sure. And and where this really hinges is the difference between having the subjective experience of pain which is known or subjective experiences are, are known as qualia. Okay. Just more more thrown out there. But there's a subjective experience of pain versus sort of the n- unconscious response to a noxious stimulus. Gotcha. And the best analogy that I was able to find was that like when you put your hand down on a hot burner your body jerks your hand away before you experience pain. Yep. And so those two neurological experiences are different like the, the processes in the brain are very different between having what, what they would call a, a offensive behavior pulling your hand away and then having the subjective experience of having pain. And so where these two camps of of researchers seem to differ is, do fish have the physiological capability of getting to that pain experience? And some say they do, and some say they don't. So there's still debate between these two camps of biologists as to whether or not fish are just reacting to noxious stimuli or they actually have, or they have the capacity to both react to it and feel it as a pain experience. Yeah. If, if the qualia or the subjective experience is similar to ourselves in higher primates. And so there's the, you know, if you look at it in terms of the evolutionary tree of vertebrates, fish are about as far from primates as you can get. And there are a lot of differences in the way that we're put together. And these two camps of re- researchers are essentially arguing over something that right now is unknowable. What is the internal experience of fish? A good point. Unknowable. It is, and and they both seem to me, and I'm sure we're going to get mail from folks who are researchers who know more than I do. But it seems to me that they're working from predetermined notions. One camp being like, it is, we since we can't know the possibility of subjecting these critters to pain that's not unnecessary is is atrocious, and we should therefore make sure we're not doing it. And the other camp saying, the value to humans of our the way that we're doing things, like the way that we fish, the way that we farm. The way that we do testing on fish is so high that we can't assume that they're having the pain experience. And so they both are working from their, their sort of preconceived notions of value yeah. and trying to prove something that at this point is unknowable. So where are you at on it? I mean, I, I'm stuck on the unknowable part and I, have, I love fishing and I'm not going to stop fishing. And I think that fish experience stress. There's no question that they experience stress. You can, you can, there is... Is there
1: no question that well, fish experience yes, stress? Yes, yes.
2: That part is is no question they experience stress. They have stress hormones. They, they, There are a lot of studies that demonstrate that they avoid noxious stimuli, right? And that they, they different fish more than others, by the way, trout do not avoid noxious stimuli because hmm. they're not as smart as, say, goldfish. Different story, though. Other thing I found, but... That's but why a
1: cow can catch them so good. I
2: I still think <laughs> I still from when going back to the initial story, I don't think there's any reason to unnecessarily subject fish to stress if you're just gonna kill them anyway.
1: So you're now stopping, you're stopping. Okay, let me put it this way. Let's say you're fishing bluegills mm-hmm. and it's hot. And you're throwing them in a the bucket. Because they stay alive in the bucket. They do. And you keep adding water. Yep. Because you're live well, or a live well, yeah. Because it's hot out. Yeah. And you don't happen to have a whole bunch of ice and packing them in ice and whatnot. Do you think that's bad? He damn sure is not wanting to be in that bucket.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that. I think that I'm not, I'm not condemning live wells. I'm not gonna come. I'm not gonna go that. Far. How about buckets? I, I mean, I think you make an argument. A bucket, of live well, are pretty damn similar. A, a properly like, managed yeah, bucket. Yeah, I, I, I think those are pretty damn similar. I, I think, okay. and I think that in that case. If you're planning to harvest that fish and it's a question of spoiling the meat and wasting the critter, I'm I'm going to say keep it in the keep it in the bucket, keep it alive, but then dispatch it quickly when you remove it from there.
1: Here's the thing that makes this interesting too. And you talk about this, you talk about killing fish when you were a commercial fisherman.
2: I was I was I was a guide. I was a recreational guide, guide but we were harvesting a lot of I was I got up in Alaska. I got it up in Alaska for years, and we harvested a lot of salmon for our clients, and we essentially became fish processors best practices yeah was to get them in as quickly as possible whack them right at the base of the skull till you get the twitch and then bleed them out and get that meat off the bone well and that's a lot more humane than what I did
5: I, I commercial fished in Alaska for a long time and we would haul in tens of thousands of salmon at the same time into our hold of refrigerated seawater that's exactly 34 degrees, and so and they would freeze to death over the span of about an hour. They'd be swimming around in there. So that seems much less humane than what you were doing.
2: Yeah, and and that like to to that point, that's one of the the issues going on with the the researchers are talking about, right? The way that we harvest fish commercially, mm-hmm. if they experience pain, like we have all these things in place for livestock, and the way that you can kill livestock to, so that it is as humane as possible
1: oh yeah even like blind yeah like blind alleys you can't they can't see the one in front of it
2: yeah and they, and, they don't
1: see like with in a normal situation i guess they, they're not even watching the one in front of it get hit right and that's a meat quality issue as much as a yeah. humanity that's issue. what that's what i was getting at commercial, the commercial practices is it winds up being that um people who are like just concerned with i shouldn't say just concerned with not like it's like a reductive thing people who are concerned with quality of flesh Um, I didn't know about your case. I
6: think people are concerned with Quality Fresh process real quick. Yeah. But Sam's case is slightly different, too, because we're talking about – he's talking about humane ethical kill, and this is a question of do fish feel pain.
5: Well, this is both, and that's the difficulty of this this debate is because we're trying to apply science to a philosophical issue. The reason that we we know this is possible, though, or
6: it's a relatable thing, thing is congenital insensitivity to pain or sip genital genital insensitivity
4: congenital (laughs)
6: um which is the human version of you have never felt pain nor are you capable of feeling physical pain so by knowing about that we do know that it is at least possible to say well these fish or what ha- whatever you want to discuss this on it is possible that they could very well not feel pain because we do have an established case yeah um I know that uh, these critters damn sure don't want to die
1: no that's why I, that's what yeah I don't have, I don't really have anything to add my sister-in-law changed my my, my sister-in-law made me feel slightly sensitive to it because she doesn't like it and that, that was the base of your. We're out fishing catfish. She do not like them laying in the bottom of the boat, wiggling all around. She won't even fish. She'll just take a flay knife and kill all the catfish.
2: Wow. I would say this. I would say this. I think that the point for me in all this is that we we talk about trying to be at least conscious of the way that we kill things we're going to harvest and we're going to eat them. And I think that we should apply that to fish as much as we do anything else. And, and, because because it's unknowable take steps to you know i'm not saying don't go out and kill fish because i'm not going to stop doing that but yeah. To, yeah to to do it in a way that like if it, to not unnecessarily draw out that process Yeah, because it's, it's not, not hard get, to just whack them over the back of the head and they're done
1: yeah same way like if you kill your ducks to someone say like i don't i think you should when you run up to a duck you should make sure it's dead that's not by extension saying you shouldn't hunt ducks no yeah we've just accepted that that's like a normal practice
6: have you guys seen the the videos of the Maasai when they decide to kill you know their nomadic herders and when they decide to kill one of their beeves um like it's quite the slaughter process because like everybody's around petting this I would assume a steer um, I'm not sure what age class they select but and that
1: would suggest that they castrate
6: that would suggest that they castrate if it's a steer, but and I'm putting a lot of Western uh, so the it's on there, yeah. So, but they're around like petting this uh, beef, and uh, I and from outside looking in, making it seem very special, and then somebody just pops a real quick hole in its jugular vein, and uh, they continue to sit there and and pet it. And eventually, it just like weakens and goes to sleep. Is that right? The long sleep. You're seeing apocalypse now. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, it's not how they do it.
3: <laughs>
6: uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but um, that I, seems like uh, a killing them softly
5: approach. I think I think the 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 quick kill and uh, you know quickly dispatching our. Our game is something that's very caught up in the, uh, you know, the fair chase ethic that's developed around sport hunting in the, in the United States over the last hundred years. Because I imagine the market hunters of old didn't care so much about it. I'm guessing not. The guys who were out killing, you know, dozens and dozens of deer or bison every day probably weren't overly bothered by the you know, how long it took for them to die.
3: They were and, for, but for other reasons. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure.
5: But um, yeah, you're someone who just, ran 400
1: bison off a cliff. Right. Yeah. It probably wasn't top of mind to go and make sure. Cause I mean, that, that was like a maiming exercise. It was like probably not top of mind to make sure everyone was humanely dispatched real quick.
5: No, but I mean, this is, this is something that has grown as, you know, I feel like concurrently with the fair chase ethic, and I think it's a positive notion. I think it's tied to a lot of other Western ideals and even anthropomorphism. The yep. growth of that in our, in our culture, so it's it's fascinating to me. And and just dealing with the uh, working on this piece with Miles, it's it's really made me introspective about it. Now I sort of feel bad for letting tens of thousands of pink salmon, uh, you know, die over the span of a couple hours. And it's it's really made me think about this and every every fish i've caught since then i've just it's not too hard to take a fillet knife and stab it right behind the eye and make them dead quickly
1: man those boys and gone are good at it they kill them they do because all their fish bite yeah <laughs> <laughs> they don't <laughs> want them flop around man. the bottom of the boat with you because they'll take a chunk out of your leg and man they got it down pat my dad they hit almost it, they lost hit it, it like it. it's like they take that knife and they'll, they'll stand the fish up belly down fin up mm. and they hit the sweet spot with that
5: tip of that knife and that fishes it's a good practice sometimes my dad almost lost a toe to a dungeon s crab that was wa- wandering around the bottom of the boat but you know some folks
6: again for the meat the consistency of meat that they're looking for it's like you want to leave that heart pumping pop a gill mm-hmm. and so, bleed it out. so yeah. it's bleeding out yeah that doesn't sound very good. Uh-uh. And then there's that uh, EKG may. Oh yeah. Practice. I was telling Miles about that. Yep. that. That, that can't
2: be. a that good, can't be good
6: way to go if pleasant. you feel pain. Well, dude, that's where that's where they're cut while they're still alive, though,
1: man. Once you EKG may something, it's dead, 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 dead. dead. Yeah,
6: the dead dead. <laughs> dead dead.
1: Explain
5: what that dead.
6: is. So EKG may. Um, basically, you start at the tail. Um, and there's a lot to do with like getting the fish cold um but it's still alive um you cut the tail open and it hasn't
3: been bonked on the head or nothing it hasn't been bonked on the head yeah i think i saw a video of this one
6: you peel the tail back you take a metal rod and you run it up the spinal column <laughs> to the base of the brain and what that does is it uh prevents the fish th- going uh for going through rigor mortis changes oh. the way it goes through
1: rigor mortis changes the way yeah we had a guy write in all about this. Okay. Changes the way to say like, there's so, like when you slaughter cattle. Have you ever watched them slaughter cattle in a slaughter facility? Not personally. So I think this is the right sequence. They hit it with a captive bolt gun, hoist it up, cut it, electrocute it, electrify it, and that has to do with. Yeah, It has to do with, like, meat quality issues, but it just melts. There's no, like, it changes the way it's, like, seized up or not. And we are the first time we went to Guyana, they killed turtles that way. Cut the head off the turtle and take a long skewer. Did They go out, cut in the jungle, take a long skewer and run it down the turtle's spine, down the center of the spine. Because normally if you kill a snapping turtle, you can't clean it for an hour or two. You clean that turtle the second you cut its head off. Because once you EKG made it, I'm using verb form. made <laughs> up. Once you did that to it, you could lift this leg up and drop it, and the leg just falls flat dead. Wow! There's no nerve, like there's no like nerve contraction. It just melts. That's fascinating. I'm telling you what, man, and it has to do with like like sushi and yeah, the, uh, the the applications. I'm not even totally checked out on. You can tell Yanis is over there reading about it right now.
6: <laughs> oh yeah, but it, it is got, interesting on the fish thing because if the, at any point in time a thousand years ago um somebody truly thought fish had pain experienced pain. Think that? i think it'd take a real tough son of a bitch to be like listen man i know this is really gonna hurt but i'm gonna run this metal rod up your spine if you're quick about it yeah you know it's dead it's going to be dead real dead Yes,
2: if I did that to you, <laughs> just like jelly. There's no bringing you back. <laughs> but I think I think the, a point here that's important is, is that like is it possible that that we are anthropomorphizing all the game as
0: anglers yes. and anglers? Oh, sure, it's yes. very possible.
2: But I also think that that's there's there is a validity to that to it to to take best practices that we can to minimize the potential of suffering, whether because we do not know. Like, at least from the research that I was reading, we do not know. Yeah, you're not,
1: ru- you're not like, ruining the meat. No. You're not, it's like, it's not costing you anything. And if it's only a 10% chance that it's diminishing suffering, why not? Yeah, exactly. And from why a moral not?
5: standpoint, it's just better ground to stand on. You yeah. know, I, I feel like we can feel better about ourselves as hunters and anglers if we have a higher degree of respect for the animal and its life. And I feel like, you know, in the day and age we live in, having... You know, a positive uh, public perception of our practices is as is very important. That we consider these things, the fact, just the very fact that we consider them,
2: I think, is beneficial. What's the name of your article, Miles? The, it's 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 currently being decided because <sighs> it hasn't come out yet. Oh, it'll be coming out next week. So we we the, the draft copy is finished, but the You're title gonna go with a
1: clever weird. one or just one that lays it right out?
2: I'm not sure yet. Like I've got two different options right now. So I'm um, I'm I mean the, the obvious one is do fish feel pain? I've seen that or that exact title, and I don't think I'm gonna do that. That
1: undersells it, man. I know. Yeah.
2: I know. I, I think you should call it. Um, it's working on ethical it, right now. It's ethical fish killing. is sort of the working title, but I think that's lame, and I want to get more interesting. I don't
6: have a good title. I'm working on it. I was trying to get to a one fish, two fish, red fish. Oh yeah, that's a good type idea. of situation. I was trying to go with red fish dead fish.
5: Yeah, I was trying to go with a play on Nirvana or Kurt Cobain. I
2: wonder if there's an, another lyric we could extract there. There was there was one of those in, in the in the smells list like titles. Teen Spirit
1: maybe. Yeah, smells, smells like, like dead fish. fish. Yeah,
2: dead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> real quick, what's wrong, Giannis?
3: Well, I just want to say some things. I've been listening to you guys talk for like ten minutes. I was going to ask you if you had anything and, to add and, uh, yeah. I just feel like it's, and it's funny because last night, my wife and I were talking about just like how much does an animal suffer? And we we're like the kid, we we're somehow the HSUS came into it. And we we're trying to explain to kids like species versus individual animals. And we got to talk about suffering, whatever. Until like we actually are able to say, yes, this is the experience the animal has. We can't really even use a term and apply the term suffering to them because you just don't know. And I mean look at how individuals are different. You might suffer when we're out there in Alaska in the rain and it's shitty and you have a suffering sensation. I might not. I might relish that and and, <laughs> and 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 do well in it, right? And so like it's and it's we bring up these things where like we're like, "Oh, well, we feel better about it." And sure we do, but it's like this made-up fantasy really that like it's in our own heads that we now feel better about this thing that we're doing where we really don't have Like, there's just no basis to it because we don't know
5: the experience. You could say the same thing, though, about all fair chase philosophy.
3: Totally. No, and I agree. Like, it's something that we've made up. And we've Mm -hmm. decided that those are the rules that we're going to play by.
5: Yeah, well, that's what ethics is.
1: An animal rights ethicist that I spoke with, the guy that's interviewed in the Stars in the Sky documentary, he... One of the things he tries, not try it out on me, one of the things he explained to me is he's like, "Look at the way, our, like the way the country handles human rights. All, we recognize that all people have rights. It's not we don't base out your rights, like an American's rights recognized by the government. We don't go like, "Oh yeah, but you're not that smart so you don't have them." Or, um, you know, you're handicapped in some way so you don't have them. It's just that we extend them. We we agree on these ideas that all people are created equal, have these things. And so he, that's what makes him uncomfortable with this idea. Well, I wouldn't do it to a deer, um, but I would do it to a fish. It, he does a better, far better job of articulating this than I do, but I'm kind of doing like such a bad job, I almost regret bringing it up. But you get the point. I'm no, like,
5: no, absolutely. And And I'm glad you mentioned him because his segment in that film absolutely informed my thinking on this i thought i thought that was a super interesting inclusion to the your discussion of hunting
1: yeah he's a good dude yeah like an guy. interesting well-spoken um
5: he guy really looks the part of a philosopher yeah too he's an interesting guy
6: oh the the human hierarchy of animals is something that i i find really terrible it's like
1: <laughs> well you you'd you'd get a lot of advantage out of that you know
6: do I get a personally go you know, He's saying you do.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah for I mean, sure. I, don't know what you, I know what you've been eating. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, Seth, you got any
4: final thoughts? I don't want to
3: – Just so we don't have to deal with it next time we podcast, EKG May, I just did a quick search, read three quick different articles, and they do – because the main purpose is to do it quickly – it to end up with a better quality flesh. And so there's a spike driven usually right That's behind right. the eye yep. to kill oh. it. And then the process of bleeding and severing the spinal cord Helen
1: happens. Cho, Helen Cho and her boyfriend do it. Mm-hmm. And they have a special spike. That's right. I forgot all about it. He's got a special spike and a special wire. And he takes the special spike and puts it in a special place in the fish's head and then runs the wire up. That's exactly right. I would think he's got like a little special driver for his spike. This and was is, very particular about the placement of said spike now that I think about it. I'm glad you brought that up.
3: Listen, huh. The picture here looks very much like a Weren't you fishing awl. with us?
1: were you fishing with us out
6: there when they were EKG no. man those fish? We no. ate the
1: fish raw. Yeah. Was it especially good? It's good, man. We ate a lot of it. It's a bummer when you get back to the dock and most of your fish is eaten up. Yeah. <laughs> Living in the moment. Um Anything else, Yanni? No. Seth? Bad year to be a bison hunter. I know. And you could have gone down and, and tried to implore them to extend the season.
4: Yeah, I tried. I I, yeah. I tried that, but. uh and no word of a season extension. Not, not that I've heard of yet. I feel like if it was going to happen, it would have happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Sam, final thoughts, concluders?
5: Nah, no, I'm talked
4: out.
1: Really you got water coming in over your waders, bro. <laughs> yeah. No,
5: I think you did I'll st- good. I'll, st- I'll stay. I'll keep my feet on the bottom. You did a great job, man. I didn't want to do it. Someone yeah. had to do it. Yeah. I felt, I felt like it was, I felt like, uh, it was something, you know, in the space we exist in as the company that we are, I felt like somebody had to talk about it and I didn't want to put that on anyone else. So I decided to do it myself and it was, it's been a, it's been a fascinating, a fascinating process. And, uh, Hope people understand that I'm trying my best to to give you the most accurate version of the truth, and I'm not trying to preference it yep. in either way. It will continue to be fascinating. It will mm-hmm. continue
2: to be fascinating. Miles Nolte? Uh, I'm going to echo the praise that you've given Sam. I think you did a really good job with that piece. Oh, thanks, and man. that's a really hard one to do. And uh, I'm glad it didn't fall to me. <laughs> You'd rather fight about flop and perch. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. I, 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 that, that one I feel like I can get my head around and, and I will piss off a lot fewer people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you
5: never know, though. Never know. You'll never always know.
2: find someone to get mad at. Oh, themselves. I mean, well, yeah, I'm, gonna yeah. pi- I'm good at pissing people off. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that my whole career.
6: Ocal? Uh, do you want me to clarify my hierarchy of animals statement? No, I, I was excluding. You feel it's necessary. Oh, I was just excluding the, the human animal from that equation. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about and your just, position at the top you know, of the hierarchy. No, no. It just, it really bothers me where it's like, well, yeah, but that one's special. You know, because in the charismatic megafauna argument that we always talk about, it just drives me crazy that people are so disconnected from what food is, so disconnected from the animals, yet they feel... Like glue, yeah, glue trapping mice and shit like that. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> Rats. Yeah. <laughs> Slapping mosquitoes. Exactly. Slapping skeeters, glue
1: trapping mice, and yeah. getting worked up because some guy's eating deer
2: somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean as that hunters, rat we
5: play we play into that too, so on some level. I mean, most hunters get weird about, you know, wanting to eat a monkey.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
5: Or a dog, yeah. Dude, I'm telling you what, I
6: everyone believes in a hierarchy. Yeah. i put monkeys
5: absolutely high on the thing. Well, I remember
6: when so, we were at the fish shack years ago and, uh, your oldest boy was, uh, challenging the hierarchy. <laughs> he was scooping up all these, uh, little eels and hermit crabs and stuff. And he'd get them all situated in a bucket and he'd have like little caves and stuff for them. And then every morning everything <laughs> would just be belly up in that bucket, you know? <laughs> and, uh, that kind of, everybody kind of got together and it was like, all right, um, wouldn't it be good? Yeah. <laughs> <if? laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, but he
1: flipped
6: about sea cucumbers. Sea cucumbers. yeah. So his
1: hierarchy is that like fish, eels, crabs, or gunnels, gunnel fish, which yeah. look like an eel. That somehow the the lowly sea cucumber, like, doesn't be touched, but he will suffocate <laughs> innumerable other creatures <laughs> in artificial. The, in perhaps, like
5: aquarium settings. Perhaps the yeah. least cute and, and least like, least human being but there is a sea cucumber. Yeah. It just doesn't look like anything. It looks no. like something out of Dr. Seuss. In his
1: mind, it was like, how could you hurt such a thing? I need to go and dump out all the dead
5: stuff <laughs> from my bucket. I'll tell you, he's not, he's not
4: interested in putting a perch back. No.
5: <laughs> no. No, he was upset with me yesterday for he throwing back like that, that two-inch perch. He doesn't like that yeah. kind of stuff at all, No. Man.
1: Uh, I got no concluders. Did everybody get a concluder in? You good? Except for you. Yeah. You good? I'm all set. No, I'm spent. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks.
0: First Light has always made the world's best base layers. They are warm, breathable, silent, and odor resistant. But the women's fit and the gear weren't meeting our demands, so we went back to the beginning and rebuilt everything. Re-engineering the gear with the most dedicated female hunters in mind, First Light modernized the fit and added more sizes, colors, and camo patterns. I personally have been testing the women's gear over the last couple of years uh, from the mountains in Idaho to the plains in Nebraska, and I feel like the fit especially has landed in a much better spot. It's more true to size. It's not as tight and binding in certain areas like a lot of women's fit. Uh, all of the pieces, to me, got an all-around upgrade. It's awesome to see. So for yourself or as a gift, this Mother's Day, pick up First Light's new women's merino wool and get free shipping on all orders containing women's gear. Available now at F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com.